Good afternoon, people. We have a special guest in the building, um, a new friend of mine, uh, Allie. Um, she is from the channel Real Film Sapien. Uh, I will attempt to tag her in, in the actual YouTube video itself. I'm ha I was having some trouble when I set it up in the beginning. But uh, a highly intriguing individual, um, a veteran. Uh, how are you doing, Miss Allie? I am doing well. It's a really nice day outside. I live in the Midwest, and so it's finally starting to get warm, which is great, but still on the chilly side of things. It's been actually really gorgeous out here. I think it's an underestimated place to live. Mm. Yeah, I, I just came from the Midwest, and now I'm, I'm in Florida, so it's mm -hmm. a it's a major uh, improvement. Um, but yeah, these military bases, that they put them strategically in specific places, and of course, you know, you're limited by, you know, your, your commitment. Anyway, um, and anyway, we're going to get into the military things. Um, I'm mm -hmm. highly intrigued by you. Um, I, I remember when I first came across your content. And of course, I, I believe I discover YouTubers like in, in groups. And so I, you're in that same group of Ahana and uh, Pearly things. When I came mm -hmm. across you guys all, you know, in a similar fashion, um, just intrigued because, of course, in, in the manosphere, and I put that in quotes, of course, um, you have what, what they call chameleons and, and people that, that see it's a cash grab and like, but these topics can easily be addressed by anyone. The, the talking points can easily be learned because of, of course, you know, women are equally cerebral as men are um, in, mm -hmm. in most cases. And so as I dig through content and you realize, yeah, she's living it versus, you know, a lot of people that, that can just speak on the topics. Um, but yeah, I'm highly intrigued by you. I'm grateful for, to have you on. Um, I do have a lot of icebreakers. Um, this has been dubbed a rumor. Um, a myth of sorts, but um, mm -hmm. as far as Rihanna's concerned and ASAP, now I, I did like a whole hour and a half live stream, assuming that was true. And again, who knows what truth is? And you know, it, everything seems to be just conjecture at this point. But um, mm -hmm. would you say, in your estimation, especially as a married woman, as someone who's considered traditional, um, do you think that's that, that's like foreshadowing going forward? What do you mean? What's the controversy surrounding Rihanna and ASAP Rocky? I know she's pregnant with his child, and I know that they're not married. But mm. I've been seeing them popping up a lot lately, but I don't know why. Right. So the myth going around, and again, I, it's all alleged, and of course, it's been kind of shot down by multiple sources. But um, I guess the, the woman that's accused of sleeping with ASAP Rocky, um, she, she, again, she, she's like, she works with Rihanna directly, um, a shoe designer or clothing designer. She's part of, the, of Rihanna's team. But yeah, she's accused of, you know, partaking in, in the loins of, of ASAP. ASAP. Um, and yeah. of course, one of the biggest betrayals known to man is the person closest to you has the greatest ability to hurt you. But um, yeah, it, it's a myth at this point. But do you have any thoughts on, on engaging with a rapper, especially as it relates to having children with them? Well, I would say Rihanna is not somebody that you should look to as an example of, you know, modernism gone wrong or anything like that the reality is is that she has a billion dollar net worth she mm. and her child will be fine whether or not there's a father in the home and that's not the position that average women are in average women who have a child they do have to consider is this infidelity worth me staying or leaving and some women do choose to stay and sometimes that's out of discipline but it all sometimes mm. it's just out of reality they do need that money to sustain that household so when i look at that I don't even know that she's really that bothered. I don't know Rihanna, obviously. Right. But, you know, she made a choice to be with a high-profile, flashy rapper. And it doesn't mm. seem like they're looking for exclusive monogamy. I could be wrong, 
because mm-hmm. there are people who just simply will not get married. But at least that's implied in a marriage is that you shouldn't be sleeping with other people. So people are welcome to try mm-hmm. out modern relationships if they would like. I just don't think that it leads to the best ROI for the man and the woman. That's why I support traditionalism. Mm-hmm. But it's more like a neo-traditionalism because what went on before is usually romanticized and i'm talking about like the 1950s and the 1970s and how women were just so happy to stay home in reality a lot of people just didn't get divorced and they lived separately and you know when you don't have as much autonomy as a woman obviously that can be a little bit oppressive but now like we have the choice to be traditional if we want to be and that's what i seek to really support interesting um excuse my manners um, I did not allow you to introduce yourself. Please take a quick second. You know, I got ahead of myself and got in my notes already. But yeah, take a quick second, introduce yourself, tell the people anything you would like to share. Okay, well, I am Allie Drummond. I have a YouTube channel at Real Film Sapien. I'm also on Instagram at Real Film Sapien. I have a blog under the same name, realfemsapien.com. I try to help society through getting to women. And I have a hidden target demographic. The hidden target demographic is children. But in order to get to the children, you need to get it to the women first because they are statistically the primary caregiver. So I try to help women to be more well-rounded so that they can get married and stay married because there's a lot of lessons that we aren't taught as women in mm. different life lessons. It's not just romantic lessons. For example, I recently went through a miscarriage and then I found out that most of the women that I know also had one. So there's just a lot of education that's lacking from the female community. And that's mm-hmm. the gap that I seek to fill. And at least, you know, even if I help one woman to get married and stay married to a healthy man, then I've done my job. That's all I yeah. want to do is just, I want to help kids have a two parent household. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I wasn't going to bring up the miscarriage, but since you have, and of course you've been quite public with it. Um, how are you doing in regards to that? My, my mom also had a miscarriage. I was born between uh, two deaths of, of children, like the, the, the girl above me, she died and the girl after me died. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I consider myself blessed in that way. But um, yeah, h- how are you doing with um, the recent events? I'm doing well. At first, I was very upset. It is an emotional experience and it's something that is uniquely woman. I learned so mm-hmm. much about being a woman through being pregnant And it just taught me to be really grateful for life and to get my stuff together because life does begin and it does end and sometimes it ends really, really soon. But I'm doing well. I mostly was just shocked to hear all of the stories that women are coming out with. Well, I had three miscarriages. I had to see a fertility doctor. I lost my twins at, you know, sometimes 14 weeks, 18 weeks. And I was just surprised, but I think we're just disillusioned from female biology right now because Mm -hmm. we're kind of in this very progressivist time where (laughs) men and women are supposed to be the same well we're Mm -hmm. not and so what information is being withheld from natural born women and it's conversations like that but i was actually really happy to hear from these women to know that this was a normal human experience to be further involved in the female community and to just the hear the outpouring of love because everybody was offering condolences. I don't typically think that the sisterhood exists just because women can be quite catty, but I Mm -hmm. would say that most women empathize with a pregnancy loss. And I thought that was amazing. And that was something I'd never heard before from other women. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And uh, again, you've mentioned so many, well, one thing I love about interviewing YouTubers, because when I first started doing, like, I believe January 2nd of this year was my first interview on this channel where I brought somebody that wasn't me to talk about anything. Um, but one thing I love about interviewing YouTubers is that you guys know how to talk. 
And like, if I ask a question, like, I'm not just sitting there like, will they know what I meant? Well, like that they run with it. But yeah, you, I've always enjoyed your content mainly because you do have the gift of gap, but there's also, you know, substance there. And so when you Thank do you. give your insights, you know, you're actually able to walk away with something, even if you disagree, which I, I tried to, whenever I bring on someone such as yourself, I try to find the areas that we disagree on. Um, not only because I love to debate, but because we're able to either strengthen our arguments or, you know, change them. Um, and you, you mentioned something, and uh, it's part of my notes, so I'm, I'm wrong with it. You mentioned the beginning and the end. Um, you're studying anthropology right now, correct? In, in yes. University? Yes, I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, study of humans. What's your take on humans in the beginning, as it were, um, in relation to how we began or how we arrived on planet Earth? I mean, well, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I think I'm just going to have to go on the scientific side of things here. We evolved from bacteria and we even evolved heterosexuality from the beginning. Like that's a very unique way to reproduce is to have a male and a female because there's other life out there that doesn't reproduce in that way. So that's also amazing. I just mm. think the whole journey of humans is interesting and also different mating strategies of primates, mating strategies of modern humans. There's a book called The Anatomy of Love. It is by a biological anthropologist anthropologist dr helen fisher she's got some really good interesting data she rewrites it from time to time however she does work with match.com and so while she does study dating and mating there's some questions that she can't ask but there's not much of an opinion for me to ask i guess my only i have more of a question than anything i don't understand why we are trying to liberate women from their biology mm -hmm. I, if you think about it nobody's trying to liberate men from their biology. I know modern birth control for men is probably going to end up having human trials, but it seems to be this progressivist ideal that if they can take away the burden of being a woman, that will be happier and freer. Mm -hmm. and instead, what I think would probably be better is to just prepare women for what being a woman is. Teach us about our hormonal cycles, teach us about mm -hmm. our fertility, teach us the tools that we might want to have in our toolbox when it comes to raising children. I, I think that this denial is really setting women far back. And I talk to women from various ages, various educational backgrounds as well, different demographics, ethnicities, races, you name it. I've talked to them and a lot of them have received an education, but they're stumped and they're stumped about the opposite sex. And then they're stumped about their own female nature because we're also denying that women have a nature that is different from men. And that's what mm -hmm. I find to be problematic. And I mean, it's interesting because anthropologists basically decided that race was a social construct that has merit. And that is true. And then they, they decided that gender was a social construct. But from what I understood is that these different cultures that were sur surveyed observed and these are not going to be western cultures they did have multiple genders sometimes but they had mm -hmm. a limited number sometimes it was two sometimes it was three sometimes it was four it was mm -hmm. not endless it was not this enigma it was at least something that we could discern but they took those three or four genders in another culture and then they came and they tried to bring it to the west without even asking <laughs> what is healthy about traditional mm. masculinity and what's healthy about traditional femininity. So mm. I think we're all just a little bit lost in the sauce. And I think anthropology might have done us wrong on that one because there's biological anthropologists and they do study how women operate differently than men. But mm. we're just going to sit here and pretend that that's not going to lead to different behaviors. I don't agree with that. Right. Um, you've said, you've said some interesting things and I'm not sure which one to attack first. 
Um, but you, I think you're right, especially in relates to like the beginning and how let's assume we did evolve because first of all, that contradicts Christianity. Um, and then when you think about cosmology, the study of the beginning, evolution doesn't have any answers for the beginning. It only has answers for what existed and how it changed over time. And of course, there are six definitions of evolution. Uh, the one most commonly used is micro or macro evolution. Uh, micro simply being the thousand different types of dogs, chihuahuas, Great Danes, huskies. Macro evolution would be it, there was a cow on land. At some point, it went into the water, decided to stay in the water. Its limbs dissolved over thousands of years and became a whale. There's no evidence for that. Even like we bring, bring like these bones of like Lucy and how Lucy is the evidence, like the missing piece between, you know, apes or what have you, and then modern day humans. I'm like, well, we still have apes. We put apes in cages. We also put humans in cages, but it, it, it doesn't make sense, logical sense. But um, in relation, especially in your first point, when you mentioned Christianity and evolution, um, do you think Christianity cannot coexist with, with science? I think that it just would not mean that you're 100% fully bought in Christian. And that honestly really upsets me because I went into Christianity because it's very practical. Mm -hmm. And I do believe Jesus was who he said he was. And I do believe that he died for our sins. That's my perspective. But mm -hmm. people are asking me to take the Bible in absolute completion. And I would love to, but I know too much. And I think it really sucks because there's so many people that would still benefit from the teachings of Christ if he just didn't try to cram down their throats that this is an absolutely nonfiction book. But I understand why it's done. And I know that Christianity is valuable and I wish it would make a comeback in Western society because it really helped to unify us. I think that the more we move towards secularism, I think we're just losing in the end. And I'm not saying that you have to be Christian. You can be Buddhist. You can be Abrahamic, whatever you need for that spirituality. But yeah, I, I find that to be really frustrating. And that's why, you know, people look at me and, you know, I'm a trad wife and I'm a Christian. And it's like, yes, but apparently I'm not Christian enough for most Christians. And, you know, it hurts my heart. Mm -hmm. But there's things that I've learned that I can't go back from. Interesting. Um, so I, I consider myself an intellectual Christian, um, which there's a much difference, like either Christian or not. Um, but in regards to science, that's one thing. I So I was raised in a church. My dad was a pastor. I was like, I spent most of my time in a, in a pew, in a church building. Um, and so that's where I grew up. And that's where a lot of my values came from, traditional values and what have you. And of course, as I became an adult and moved into the world and started realizing, all right, traditional values are going extinct, that they're dying out. I had to truly dig down and go study. And like, is there a God? Just start with the basics, like reduction. Like, I need to go back to the beginning. Is there a God? And um, I, there's never been a time that I've never been more convinced than currently, um, mainly because you ask four basic questions. Where do I come from? Where do I go when I die? What gives my life meaning? And how do I tell right from wrong? Those four basic questions can be answered by science. Obviously, you go to philosophy and religion. But, and of course, there's a YouTuber, uh, an amazing mind, Dr. Dino. If you search that, um, when you get some free time, um, he answers a lot of these questions that you're referencing. And I, I don't want to spend any more time going into it because I, I, I go on my tangents. And uh, obviously, um, I'm not here to truly like debate you on every single topic you bring up. But, um, a lot of these topics that you're, you're mentioning as far as seemingly like subjective discrepancies between the beginning in the Bible and the beginning in science. Science can't study the beginning, the study of cosmology that's outside of science. Science studies 
what exists currently through the scientific method. Um, and there's, we can avoid that whole tangent. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's always interesting to hear viewpoints from Christians when it comes to the beginning, because it's, I don't know how we can believe part of the Bible, not all of it, because there's consequences to all of it. Um, your belief systems have consequences, and you see this in the, war, the wars that proceed currently and historically. It, it's very difficult to separate your belief systems from your actions, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Christians can't entertain that God gave us science and he gave us science and we've been able to do really great things with it, like cure a lot of diseases that we used to die from. A lot of, I don't know if people know this, but a lot of infants used to die from ear infections, middle ear infections. Mm -hmm. So life used to be like very savage. And so I, why not think that maybe we're being offered science as a deliverance from certain human struggles at the same time? That does not mean take science and run with it. You do need to have a faith and a spiritual foundation, in my opinion, to make it through this life and to make sense of it, which is exactly mm-hmm. why I got baptized. Got you. Um, here's one analogy I'll present to you, and then we'll get off this topic. Um, okay. But as it relates to the beginning itself, um, did I just lose my analogy? Oh, my goodness. You know what? Let's move past it. Let's move past it. Okay. Um, it, it, it's an interesting topic, the study of cosmology, the study of the beginning. Um, it's so much to dive into, especially as it relates to belief systems and, and how we live our lives. Um, but, okay, Tradcon, traditional conservative uh, individuals, do you consider mm-hmm. yourself that? Um, I watched one of your Instagram uh, posts, and you mentioned how you're not Tradcon. Um, no. What do you consider yourself? I think I'm a woman in the middle. I think I'm like most people. I think that there are traditional values that I would like, but there's also some things about the modern landscape that I can't change. I was born in a time where there was hormonal birth control. Let's Mm. just take a look at that one. That has significantly changed how women have mate selection. And that wasn't really a concern in the past. Whereas like traditionalism would have been really helpful in a time where you didn't have birth control as an option. You had to be wise with who you mated with. Now I, I kind of, in some ways, I do wish we could take birth control back because I've seen the negative implications of it for women. And oh, man, it's mm-hmm. it's really bad. I almost think that was like one of those things out of uh, Pandora's box or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. we wouldn't have that problem if Eve didn't eat the apple. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the problem with conservatism is there's not much left to conserve. We literally have people that are deciding their gender like that and then you have to validate it. Mm-hmm. conservatives now and i'm going to say traditional republicans they're really only about a decade behind democrats so mm-hmm. i i do think that there is a difference though between a party and then that conservative liberal spectrum because so for example right now on fox they have caitlin jenner and she's going to be a correspondent right and yeah. i even call her she but that's because you know she looks like a woman to me i'm sorry people can get to <laughs> get into that if they would like mm-hmm. that's my preference the problem with her being on Fox is that they're not going to call, they're not going to call her by the male pronoun he. Mm. And so what then do Republicans and conservatives have ground to stand on? They're really not going to. So we're just losing the culture war and we're losing it rapidly. And it's because we don't entertain nuance in life. It just Mm. has to be one way. I'm not saying to update. I'm saying to understand why people struggle with modernity because it's hard out here to have all of these options and to navigate this modern landscape. So a traditional conservative would probably be a Christian Republican. That is Mm -hmm. my best understanding of it. But again, I have met women 
who are traditional at home, but then have liberal politics. They actually used to be very common. It's not mm -hmm. as common anymore. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why how you feel about taxes has to be in any way related to how you feel about your husband and how you operate within your home. Like Democrat women used to come home mm -hmm. and they, they knew what was up. And I say this all the time that white feminists have this really funny habit of being married. <laughs> like, like, so, you know, men are oppressive. Yeah except for your husband. So those are my thoughts on traditional conservatism. And I think a piece that gets lost is that women have autonomy. And mm -hmm. I like traditionalism in my marriage. I like the teachings of Christ. Nobody forced me. These are choices that I made. How women behaved without autonomy before, you know, that's just how that was. But I'm mm -hmm. happy living this life and then having these values. But there's things that I disagree with. Like I'm pro THC. I mean, if we're gonna have alcohol out here, THC right, right. is significantly less damaging for one, for two. Well, I think the sin is to overindulge, not to partake. It's like the sin is to be drunk, not to drink. Those mm -hmm. are my thoughts. It's interesting. Um, I, I can't seem to, I mean, I, I'm one of those people that listens to every news channel available. I, I subscribe to everything. Um, and so when I listen to Fox and I hear the rhetoric and I'm like, all right, this is right and wrong. It's, you saw the same thing with Jordan Pearson. Um, especially when he was at the University of Toronto and trying to navigate being polite, being cordial, respecting someone as a human, and then also your own belief systems and, and where, where not to cross. Um, I don't consider myself conservative or traditional. I, I consider myself an intellectual. I, I like thinking and like I, I love questions. And so when you're you're constantly forced into a corner, it's like, all right, this false dichotomy of, all right, you're either conservative or you're you know, Democrat, what have you. I mean, a lot of my family's Democrat. I'm like, I'm not sure y'all actually thinking through these these concepts because I know a lot of y'all Christian. Like my dad's a pastor, so I'm like, can you truly be Democrat while being a while, while being a Christian? It doesn't make sense because you have conflicting belief systems. Something has to give. Um, so I, I don't know. Well, in regards to your thoughts or your lifestyle, being a traditional um, wife or or traditional lady, feminine lady, um, you mentioned. One of your posts, you said, my life has been forever changed by stable and masculine presence. Ladies, you can leave the party whenever you want. What are your thoughts in regards to the party? When it comes to a whole phase or, or birth control, a woman having the option, she, she has autonomy, she has the ability to choose in any given moment. Where do you draw the line between someone who's experiencing life, simply testing the waters of their, something I would call liberty versus freedom? I don't think freedom exists. I think liberty is, is you know, restricted choice. What are your thoughts on whole phases and, and your ability to choose and try things out? I think it's a natural consequence of hormonal birth control. And I can explain why I think hormonal birth control is problematic. It Primarily, it's going to be mate selection. So mm -hmm. it tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant, which vastly changes the way you smell a man's immune system. It changes how you smell men. And mm -hmm. smelling men... When you do that, you're testing out your biological compatibility. And there's been studies that show that, that women will rate different t-shirts with different sweat as being more attractive or less attractive. And I firmly believe in it as well. I really do enjoy my husband, how my husband smells. So mm -hmm. I think that's an issue because if you're a woman, you're on birth control, you meet a guy, you want to settle down, you get off the birth control, maybe you're not as attracted to him. And that's mm -hmm. a real world conversation to have. The other piece of it is, you're skewing your data. You don't know how your cycle works. I hear these women and they're saying, well, if you skip the last pack of pills, the last week of pills, then you won't get your period. 
So you don't even know how your body functions on a baseline. And women are taking birth control so that they can have sex without consequence. And so when you take away consequences, I think people are just going to do sort of the wrong things. And yeah. I, you know, I've done it. I had, I had my little time and, you know, it was brief. I went, well, it wasn't really that brief. I think from ages like 15 to 19, I got married when I was 20. So like, these are just some very real world implications that we have of this new thing. What I think women don't understand, and you have to think, just like men don't have fathers, women don't have fathers either, is like, mm -hmm. when it's time to walk away, you mm -hmm. don't actually have to go out and party. You don't actually have to go out and be skimpy. You don't have to copy your girlfriend's toxic behaviors so that you can fit in with them. Because I promise you, the second they meet a solid guy, they're going to be gone. They're not going to be your mm -hmm. girlfriend anymore. I actually don't even think girlfriends are real. I think we're all just waiting to get picked up by some guy. Now, yeah. you can look at this, too, as, like, women who have something to do with their lives. They're not out getting drunk at a bar at 35. Even if she's career-oriented, it doesn't make sense to do that when you have something going for yourself. And the other women that did settle down and they have children – they're not going to be out at the bar either because they have something to take care of. They have priorities. So that's why I think women just need to know when to call it good and to be told, look, you don't need to do this. And honestly, some women have fun doing it. Don't get me wrong. I know a couple of spinsters, but some of us are just trying to cope with some really negative things that we had to endure. I was not ha a happy party goer. I really wasn't. I found it incredibly depressing. I felt out of place, but I didn't know how to be a good girl for one for two mm -hmm. it's like you ask your girlfriends to hang out and all they want to do is go to the bar you want to right. ask them to go hiking you want to ask them to go bowling it's hard to find women with good character because it's hard to find people with good character <laughs> facts mm -hmm. you, uh, you mentioned in one of your posts that you lost three friends because of your belief systems um i would imagine that number might be breaking even at some point when you, as you meet more YouTubers that believe in the same beliefs that, mm -hmm. that you have. Um, how do you deal with that being a married woman? And, you know, as you try to pursue truth as best you can and you pursuing what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, where do you, where do you draw the line between, all right, can I still be friends with someone? Like, obviously I, I would imagine that they're leaving you versus you leaving them. But how do you make that, how do you reconcile that in, in your mind as far as, all right, this lifelong friend, you know, because obviously you're on YouTube, you're, you're publicizing right. a lot of your belief systems. How do you deal with that? I mostly just try to think about what I triggered in them. Because a lot of the times people walk away, it's a projection. So there's something about my life, being married, dressing modestly, becoming a Christian, doing well with my YouTube things. Even though I'm not compensated that much, I am actually doing fairly well for launching a platform. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe I'm nine months in. So I just try to look at what I'm doing that bothers them. And typically I'll find the answer. So it's coming from a place of trauma or a wound that they haven't healed, or maybe they're really resentful of mm -hmm. the decisions that they made and they don't know how to cope with their shame. So they're going to put me down. I've basically accepted it as that it's hurt because I have been emotionally invested in people. And that's why I get frustrated. People want to put down the red pill, which I mean, that is something that needs a lot of nuance. You really need to vet <laughs> right. who your resource is from the red pill. Do not get like this alpha male <laughs> who's like found the red pill two weeks ago and yeah. lives in his mom's basement, like exercise right. discernment. So yeah. when these guys are talking about how tough these women are in the dating market, they're not complaining about modern women. They call them modern women. They're really complaining about 
is pathological women and they are just as bad to their girlfriends as they are to the men that they're seeing and dating because anytime i've been uncomfortable and tried to hold a girlfriend accountable they flip out they wow. call me names they tell me to go you know where <laughs> and they come out of their face and so you know like if she's talking to me like that right. how is she talking to her man or I, I you know i can go through a couple of different examples um, these were two really telling stories about women who I've lost friendships with, which is okay because they weren't any, like that sincere friendships. So one was a friend I had from my hometown. It's always people from my hometown. I'm from the hood. There's something <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> There's something wrong there. Right. Uh, so these two women, the first one, basically I was engaged and I was financially depending on my husband. He was my fiance at the time. And a lot of people are assuming that women take the primary risk. Biologically, we take primary risk because these are months of fertility going by sometimes even a year in cohabitation. I don't really recommend it. The statistics for it are pretty bad, but mm -hmm. you know, I did it for my own personal reasons and I ended up, you know, succeeding in the end, but you know, that's a conversation for a different time. So she ends up telling me that I need to be careful how I am leading women, that I'm embarrassing myself on the internet every day, and just saying that she's taken care of because she was married. Well, guess what? She is not married to the father of her child, and she got pregnant by a heroin addict. Goodness. So when I think about her critique, that's mostly what I think about. And that is not to put her down, but it's like women. Mm. Wake up. Before you sling mud at another woman, make sure you're clean first. And if right. you're not then you don't need to you don't need to have these rude conversations cuz a lot of these women they, they'll say oh i've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder <laughs> i'm like honey you are tore up from the floor up like you don't even know and so i know the quality of their marriage from that standpoint the other piece was i had a friend who was actually pretty well rounded i think when we were teens but somewhere in the mix she got really hypersexualized and her entire value and worth started to become her body and she mm -hmm. got an OnlyFans and she has a baby daddy and she would do things like post their text messages on private stories. And all she would do is dog on him. But I would look. I'm like, honey, you sound like a serial killer. And all she's saying is that he's so difficult. And I'm watching him. This is really bad behavior. Jeez. At some point, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to follow her anymore because I do I do enjoy her as a person. And mm -hmm. God did me a favor. And then she got taken off of Instagram again which is great. <laughs> but then she found me when she got a new Instagram and I was like, geez, I got to go follow her. You know, like we're friends. I really care for mm -hmm. her. Or so I thought in the end of it, I ended up finding out that it was very expendable to her. What I kept seeing on her stories is just her almost nearly naked all the time, mm -hmm. constantly promoting her only fans, putting a price on her body and women don't understand. Not everybody wants to see that. If you're going to have an only fans, why don't you make a separate account? Be an adult, mm -hmm make a professional account and then have a personal account. You can't be that lazy. I'm sorry. So I texted yeah. her. I DM'd her through Instagram. I said, you know, I'm really uncomfortable seeing you that way. Here's my phone number. I would like to maintain a friendship. The first thing she says is what well, you don't know how to use the follow button or the unfollow button. You don't know how to use the mute button. LMAO. <laughs> I'm good. And then she unfollows me. So I just went and blocked her. Like you cannot be disrespectful and then complain. Oh, I'm lonely. Nobody wants to be with me. I have bad yeah. girlfriends. I can't get a man to be with me. It's because of you. So that is my critiques. My critics is usually something about them because there's not much to push back on. I think I entertain a lot of nuance and mm -hmm. you know, I get 
I get into it with Christians. I get into it with secular people. I get into it with conservatives. I get into it with liberals. It, I am nobody's real favorite. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where I belong. Facts. Facts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a lot of us find ourselves in those spaces where I, I created YouTube for the very reason you're talking about. Um, all my opinions, all my beliefs, all, all my views go on YouTube where I can monetize my opinions, first of all. Um, you mentioned monetizing one's body on OnlyFans. I believe that you can monetize your mind a lot longer than you monetize your body. You being former military, you understand that concept quite well. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of the military, you joined at 19. Um, what, what was your MOS? I joined in 2014. I left in 2019. Okay. I was a 68 Whiskey, so I was a combat medic specialist. Wow. And my first unit was a CAV unit. And that's how, like, people want to talk about being an independent woman. <laughs> that job was so hard. Right. It was so hard. I ended up switching mm. to an aviation brigade. But it's like I went out there and I did it. And I made my E5. I made it in three years. I mm. developed a nervous tick. I was constantly stressed. I had a boss from West Point who hated me. Mercy. And, you know, she was, like, smoking hot and gorgeous. And so nobody was giving her any kind of feedback. So... You know, be an independent woman if you want to, but I'm telling you, that job like beat the femininity into me. I was like, it hurts. <laughs> this is it. No, like I just want to stay home. <laughs> uh, we have a very similar story. Now, of course, I was in the Air Force, um, chair for uh, all, all the different stereotypes, or what have you. I, I did sit at a desk. Um, I did drink coffee every day. I listened to music all day. Like I, I didn't touch a gun for most of my career. I also made mm -hmm. staff in, in uh, well, E5 in, in three years. And I immediately saw diminishing returns where I'm like, all right, they preach it being a certain way. And of course, then the first couple of years, everything is just uphill and everything's amazing because everything's new and you're just learning the new environment and, you know, the higher ups and oh, officers and they're scary because they have the power to take your rank and all, all this foolishness. And you finally reach a point where, where I just hit in the last, like I'm still technically active duty currently. And you reach a point where I'm like, I don't like any of this and I don't care how much you're paying me. I value peace and, and of course, experiencing anxiety and I was being stationed in Alaska. And matter of fact, uh, I follow a page where they, they document unfortunate, unfortunate suicide events and they're having one after another, especially in Alaska. And of mm -hmm. course now it's, it's on the higher ups radar. Um, but yeah, it, it's an ongoing thing where I don't see it getting any better. And of course the topic of strong and independent, and I'm always amazed by, by the concept of you have a job, you have a car, and you have a place to live. And that's used as evidence of, I'm strong and independent, I don't need no man. I'm like, how is that impressive when that's normal for adults? That's what adults do in most cases. Of course, we have the homeless population. We, we have, you know, 18 year old, 19 year olds living in their mom's basement, cool, playing video games, neck beards, all that. But if you're gonna be an adult, the, the basic standard of living is, you have a place to live, you have a job, you have a car. That's not impressive. That's not something to, to scream from the mountaintops from. But of course, in the military, and uh, I do want to get your opinion on this, especially as it relates to infantry um, and yeah. you know combat uh, AFSCs or MOSs. What are your thoughts on women serving in combat roles? Y'all, oh my <laughs> goodness, let me let me breathe because all I want to do is like ah. So I was a combat medic specialist, and I worked around with other women. They were mm -hmm. just approving us in training because. I don't think I saw one woman who was able to physically pick up a full-sized man with his kit, with his weapon. Right. But somehow we're being certified as combat medic specialists. Now, when I served, a lot of people explained that most commanders are not going to assume risk by sending a woman out on patrol, for one. Mm -hmm. 
the other piece of it is, well, you send one woman out with a group of men and sometimes right. bad things happen. Does the commander want to assume risk for that? But now I'm hearing more and more that as the military becomes progressive, that they might actually start sending these women out there. And like that's where I'm starting to get concerned because right. biology is real. Testosterone is powerful. I right. lift, I work out, I run long distance. Your average dude with testosterone could beat me to death with a pillow. Like, I don't <laughs> know how to explain this to women. <laughs> like, Not a pillow. Like, you know, Goodness. oh man, dude. Yeah, I think so. So here's here's the thing you'll see women they'll get these little keys that have the knuckles on them that kind of pierce right mm -hmm. or they'll you know they think they have a knife or they'll have like a weapon which by the way women if you're going to carry a weapon you have to know how to use it but i don't know if people understand this it's actually very hard to stab someone right. like very like it's not <laughs> <laughs> you gotta close that distance so, oh man i'm i'm just over it it is a problem they need to stop doing that and they tried to have a gender neutral PT test, but then mm -hmm. it was too hard for women to pass for the jobs that they wanted. Right. So, but to me, I'm like, look, if you want to be a woman in the military and be a paper pusher, what's wrong with that? What's the it's problem? Intriguing. I mean, especially you go back in history. First of all, I'm upset about the discrimination that took place in the world wars, uh, Vietnam, Korea, Korean War. Like all these men dying by themselves. Like, where are the women to participate in, in, in the deaths? That's that's not fair that women are discriminated against when it comes to world wars and you know especially when it comes to hand to hand combat and, and muskets like the, the old wars that you know a lot of people have quickly forgotten about and you know Ukraine is like so it's I'm confused. What do you mean? Like what do you mean about how women were discriminated against? I just need to understand. So it, you've seen this in Ukraine currently where they say women and children leave, men go to the front lines. So it, oh, it's, yes. it's a bit of satire um, that that I you know when, when I post on Twitter or what have you. Like I mentioned how it's discrimination against women, but yet it's not brought up by the feminists, especially, and I want to clarify the radical feminists. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like, it's not a huge issue that only men are dying and not when women don't get to participate in, in war. I'm like that should be even according to the radical feminists. And it is a question I had for you as, as far as how do you differentiate feminism from femininity? So feminism is actually a female supremacy movement. A lot of people don't think that because if mm. you're talking about men and women having equal rights, you would use the word egalitarian. When right. you look at feminism, patriarchy, the patri, P-A-T-R, at the beginning of that word patriarchy, that means mm. man, right. that means father. So that's bad though. The patriarchy is bad and everything good is female, feminine. It's actually very toxic. And you can see that um, the very early feminists were also terrorists. People don't know that. Where they would just go out causing a dang ruckus and like physically threatening people's lives or shaming men. There were women with white roses in the 1920s that if you weren't serving in the military as a man, they would make mm -hmm. sure that you knew that you were beta and they would give <laughs> you a white rose and shame yeah. you in public. So these are just different perspectives to have. I have some huge issues with feminism. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care what, uh, oftentimes I bring that up to a liberal and they're like, why are you bringing that up? Like, sir, imagine <laughs> if a conservative had a racist who was like pro-life or something. I mean, come mm -hmm. on. The other piece of it is Susan B. Anthony didn't care about a woman's right to vote. She only cared about the white woman's right to vote. And so Junior mm -hmm. Truth made a speech in response to that called Ain't I a Woman? So mm -hmm. I just think that this is some really shaky foundation to have a movement on 
And if we're going to give women egalitarianism, then understand that we might make different choices. We might choose social jobs that don't pay as much, but we're happy. And to mm -hmm. stop trying to convince us to like other things that we're not interested in. I have these conversations with academics all the time. They're saying that women don't have economic autonomy. Women are spending most of the global economy. Like right. we're spending the money and whether mm -hmm. or not we're making it doesn't matter because we have access to it and we're spending it. That's right. one perspective to have, but I'm not sure where they're getting this idea where we're oppressed. I think that the patriarchy is kind of a boogeyman and the long and the short of it is the world is sexist. There are some things that men go through like expendability, like the fact that you will be drafted because you know, <laughs> constructivism is great until ish right. hits the fan and then right. you're a man again. Right. Yep. And then there's things that women go through. We are physically vulnerable when in times of war, we can be e part. So we don't, mm -hmm. we're not just simply like murdered. We are taken and used as sexual objects. And so these things just happen. And I think people just need to accept that men and women suffer differently. But I don't think I don't think it's discrimination against women. Here's the thing. If you wanted to apply for a combat position, you could. And you could have for a long time, even when I served. If I wanted to be in a female engagement team, I could have applied for it. If I wanted to be, well, I don't know about SF, but definitely female engagement team was a thing. You could go mm -hmm. out there. You would just have to meet the male standard. So for the women that can hack it, they're able to apply. And I think that's pretty much it because I don't. I, I don't know if you know this. Um, there's a proven male biological impulse to throw themselves in front of women. If you look right. at mass shooting events, a lot of guys will throw themselves in front of a woman. So you're going to send her out on patrol. But what's going to happen? What's right. going to happen when there is no more social constructivists? It's your lizard brain. Mm -hmm. And you're in the firefight. And there's a woman. Probably right. going to throw yourself in front of her. That's probably going to be a problem for the mission. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, that, that's going to be a an ongoing issue, especially as the transgender movement takes place. Um, because at, historically speaking, the feminists would fight against men for we, we need more. We, we need more. We need more ground. We need more rights. We need better rights. We need all the rights. Okay. Now we're, you look, you saw this in the U.S. Federation of Soccer, where they're, they're found to be getting paid more than the men. And they're still complaining. I'm like, right, you guys are getting paid year round, $100,000 a year. And now you guys want more because your your payout percentage when you guys actually won was less than the men's. I'm like, you guys are getting paid year round. Like men are not. You're getting paid more than men. Um, so now you you, look, you have like Leah Thomas where now men are infiltrating or women. Anyway, people are infiltrating women's sports and taking over, um, going from 462nd to first um, by simply flipping a switch. Um, what are your thoughts on women's sports and and how you guys are able to retain you guys as um, separate you know sports engagements um i'm gonna start with i don't believe leah thomas is a woman there's just no way that i can buy into that there i really don't think there's anything that's been done besides growing their hair longer this is my perspective that's my opinion i'm allowed to have one but what people also don't know is that there are things that have been going on in that locker room with biological women in the same room and they're saying they're uncomfortable and they have to report anonymously to their coach so that's like all I'm going to say about that particular situation is that you guys need to you need to read what's going on because a scammer is a scammer. I don't care. I do. I think that there are some sincere transgenders. Yes. And, you know, if you're in pain, I really do hope the surgery relieves your pain. Oftentimes it does not. I think we really need to look at statistics. So I just wanted to start there because at, at this point, I'm really starting to think it's a scam. Like how you 400th place <laughs> you compete in the women's league and mm -hmm. then you're number one. Like I have questions. I have, <laughs> I have right. questions. Aside from that, 
we need to maintain integrity between male and female biology when it comes to sports, period. And that'll happen right around puberty. I don't think there's much of an issue with having co-ed games when children haven't gone through puberty yet, from what I can mm-hmm. tell. But once you go through puberty, things change. I am a woman. I have bilateral labral tears in my hips, mm-hmm. and I served in the military. And there are a lot of hip injuries that are attributed to sex when it comes to military service. Right. These are things that I can, I can easily prove this stuff. Mm-hmm. But women, too... I think that we're very agreeable. And when we're looking at being agreeable or disagreeable, it's usually at the extremes. It's not on average, people are going to be kind of similar, but then you get to the extremes and that's where we really tend to differ. But that's where you can see the differences is going to be in the extremes. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I'm a woman. And we're like, okay, come on. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. But we're not even thinking about, wait a minute. If we can't define what it is to be a woman, we can no longer be protected. And mm-hmm. I don't even know why women are competing. We can stand up. We can protest. We can say, no, this is not right. This is not right. And that's why I have a big issue with feminism because they're pro-woman. What Mm -hmm. about natural born women who have complaints? We don't feel protected. We want to have safe spaces in the bathroom. And they just want Mm -hmm. us to assume the best of the world. So, but we can only, we can assume the best of men when they decide to change their sex, but we can't assume the best of men when they choose to stay men. Like, right. make it make sense. I don't know. It's going to be an ongoing issue. Um, the, it's something I've always stayed away from because of the simple and direct reason of fear um, that I, I just don't, I don't talk about it. I don't, I mean, I, I'm of the mindset, everyone for themselves, everybody mind your business. Uh, I'm Probably my foundation is libertarian of sorts where everybody do what they want to do as long as they don't mess with my ability to do what I want to do. Everybody mind their business. And of course, it's it's still going to be a thing because at some point it's going to enter my backyard where I have to deal with it. Like you can you can say I don't want to own a gun because I, I don't believe in guns, what have you. But at some point, somebody's going to break, break in your house at two p two a.m. and you got to address that with whatever you have in your you know your safe, what have you. So I think everyone at some point is going to be faced with you know I have a daughter and then she enters sports, but then you got all the youngins out there playing. This man over here, seven foot tall, three hundred pounds. I'm like, who is that? That, that that's my youngin, my my daughter. I'm like. All right, cool, but it, it's it's going to be a thing that everyone's ha- going to have to address, and everyone's going to have to speak up mm-hmm. about because it's going cool. to be a part of everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually worse than people think. So mm-hmm. I'm involved with my local school board, and parents are really blind at what is going on in the schools. And what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, this is so bad. You want you want to go down on this tangent because that's why people are getting indoctrinated <laughs> into thinking about this nonsense. Do you want to go there? Not really, but. Uh, I'll follow if you go first, which is the opposite of traditional. (laughs) Okay, so there are certain programs that are no longer focused on helping children with with deficits. They're mostly Mm -hmm. focused on activism. And so, like, that's it. You are an activist first, and you get taught this from being an undergrad. And so you go in and you just have to be a very inclusive teacher. But there's other things that are going on now that I find to be particularly concerning. And that's why I bring it up is – So there's like social emotional learning going on right now, but that's not what it is anymore. It is just straight up activism first at the forefront, which Mm -hmm. means that children with reading deficits aren't getting the attention that they need. But what they're doing is they are going out and identifying people who might push back, Mm -hmm. who are essentially a threat, right? So, but these people tend to be white Christians, which Mm -hmm. poses its own issues. And there's not a lot of Christian teachers that are being able to teach anymore. They're like literally leaving. So they go out and they identify these people before they have group meetings and then they try one-on-one to try to convince these people to behave differently or think differently it doesn't work 
Then they go peer to peer. They try to get them with somebody else. This is like the identified uh, teacher who's a threat. And then after that, they are basically outed as, no, this person, they're a white Christian. They're against what we're trying to do here. And you basically have to sit there and you have to take this. And so, like, that's why we're having some real issues when it comes to our children in in the schools. Mm-hmm. is because it's, it's been absolutely infiltrated. And I'm not here to say that progressivism is wrong and conservatism is right. But I am saying we have to be able to have conversations and push back on certain issues and to stop feeding children to the state. You know, like we need mm-hmm. to protect parents' <laughs> rights. I don't know why that's right. controversial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm kind of encouraged and I'm not sure it's going to be successful, but Elon Musk's modern day Trojan horse as he's kind of sneaking in overtly, like he's, he's <laughs> under the blanket, but we know it's him sneaking in to basically buy the entire platform of Twitter. Um, I mentioned, uh, actually, I posted a video today about how if he does indeed, you know, and he's able to actually buy Twitter, I'm definitely going to be over there. Um, mainly because it's going to be just crazy how everyone's going to be able to throw their, their arrows back and forth and no one's moderating, nobody's in between. And there will be some type of, you know, order in place, mainly because you can go to the airport all you want, but there's certain words you can't say at the airport, no matter how free you are, no matter which side, who you voted for, you say certain words, you're not going to be on that plane. Um, so there's going to be some type of order that has to be in place. I don't think freedom exists. I think it's liberty that we're, that we're referencing. Um, so yeah, uh, it's part of the reason why I'm skeptical about having kids. I, I've thought about vasectomies nonstop, um, mainly because I, I am part of the crowd that I, I'm stuck on marriage and I'm not so much against marriage, I'm against divorce, but I'm also afraid. And I, I mean, I'm using fear more directly because a lot of people just don't want to use it. Even though fear is not real, there's danger. It's not, it's, it's different. But I'm afraid of child support. Like, I, I can't imagine someone else telling me when I can see my children. I'm like, what, what's the point of having kids if I see them every other weekend? I, I don't get the point of that. Um, so it's, I also don't want to deal with the schools telling, like, imagine a, a teacher. And this happens every single day, which is, you don't even have to imagine it. There's, there's video footage. I'm going to tell the kids I'm teaching who I have sex with. How is that relevant? Now you have teachers having sex with the children. I'm like, why are we sending kids? I mean, homeschool seems like the only option. And of course, mm-hmm. that still can be treacherous because you got to find out what, what parents are teaching their own children, um, which again, it's, that's not my business, but at some point that kid's going to be an adult and that kid could be a teenager sneaking through my back door. I'm like, listen, I, I got to go see nephew. Why are you in my back door? What are you doing here? So again, how the belief systems will go through the children, through the teachings, it's still going to be a thing whether or not I have a children or whether or not mm-hmm. I'm participating in you know, town halls or, or speaking my opinion out loud, I'm still going to have to deal with children that were raised by given adults. And whatever the belief system is, it's going to show up in my life at some point. I'm yep. not sure where to go with that um, as far as my decision-making, um, long-term, that is. But again, I, I always revert back to everybody for themselves. I mean, it's a world that no one's prepared for, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's where we at. It's where we're at currently. And you see people trying to make change, like Elon Musk, he, I mean, with all the power he has in the form of, you know, currency, he's trying to, he's trying to change the course of, of America. It's not going to happen. You know, at some point, the only thing that's going to change Americans' perspective is natural disaster. It's the only thing that works. Mm-hmm. If you look historically, that's the only thing that changes the way a human thinks is being faced with death. Like impending death. And of course, now, oh, now it all makes sense. It, there's only two genders. Oh. That, that makes sense now because now I, I want somebody who can save me. I want somebody that can help me physically. I, I, there's one thing to be empowered, but there's another thing to have power. And we get those two confused. Empowerment exists in the mind only. Power is, affects our daily lives in every single way. Someone who has power moves like Elon Musk. They, they create and you see their creations 
every single day. You see their decisions manifest in the real world. Whereas empowerment, I, I could be in my room and be empowered. I can be empowered in my mind on the toilet with a closed door with the window shut. It's a whole thing. But you see how a lot of rhetoric has changed to just, I want my mind to be a certain way and therefore my, my body will be a certain way and therefore my life will be a certain way. It doesn't work that way. You have to, you have to acknowledge reality. And I think it's, it's my opinion that the only thing that, that affects reality in terms of our thinking is natural disasters. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it, it's the only thing I've seen work because people seem to click in the gear immediately. Natural disaster and everybody immediately pauses that. What do we need to do to survive? What truly matters? Life and death. Um, but in all, in all this rhetoric, especially as it relates to the red pill, how did you encounter the red pill? What was your first... I mean, I'm not sure most people realize it's a red pill. That They just have a change of belief system and they realize there's some people that are speaking this in certain categories, certain niches, um, and it may be called the red pill. Um, there's various pills to, to speak of, but how did you encounter what we both kind of pause that to be the red pill? Well, I remembered talking to my husband. So he was my boyfriend at the time. Prior to this, I had heard a little bit of Jordan Peterson and a lot of people were saying that he was all right. And I'm listening mm -hmm. to his stuff and I'm, I'm thinking, no way. Like this man <laughs> is a classical liberal, but we're very skewed right now. So it doesn't seem like that, but I, you know, there's been moments where I'm listening to his stuff. I'm like, that's not a conservative talking point at all. Right. Like this man is a liberal. Like what are these people talking about? Like, why are they bugging out? It's like classical liberals are being alienated. I met a classical liberal the other day and I was shocked. I was like, oh, man, they still make you? Y'all still exist? <laughs> right. So I started listening to Jordan Peterson. And then that ends up, I think, leading me to other conversations about evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology. So I end up dating my now husband. And I was telling him that because I, I just I don't understand feminists. I really don't. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> think that men are out here to hurt us. Last time mm -hmm. I checked. They made electricity, they made this building, right. they made air conditioning. So that's just not something that I bought into. I'm like, there's no way. They have made my life as a woman so comfortable. I don't think they're inherently bad. I don't think most people are inherently bad. I think most people are good. Mm -hmm. And that was an issue that I had with feminism is that it, it seems to really put down men. And, you know, it might even be misandry at this point. I, I think it's misandry. So mm -hmm. I started talking to my my boyfriend about how frustrated I am with school, how my viewpoints aren't respected and how also I'm fed up with certain female behaviors. Mm. And he was like, well, that's called something. And he showed me the red pill documentary, which is Cassie J's documentary, yeah. which is, it's not really a documentary. It's like her telling her story of how she stopped being a feminist. There's a lot that's problematic about mm. it. It has a more of a men's rights angle versus being, I guess, inclusive of, you know, the entire manosphere. So after that starts happening, I start watching different YouTube videos Kevin Samuels, I think, was starting to blow up. And Kevin Samuels was really helpful to me uh -huh. because I was in a point in my life, I don't think I want a graduate degree, but I kept feeling like I'm a smart woman. I have to get this degree. I have to do it. Why can't I do it? What's wrong with me? And then come to find out, I actually just really enjoy being a homemaker and I'd like to be a stay-at-home mother. So I get into Kevin Samuels, start listening to him. Then I start listening to Fresh and Fit. I start listening to... Dom and Sharp and, you know, there's a better bachelor role of Tomasi. So mm -hmm. I've looked at a couple of these different content creators, but then I started doing research 
I'm like, who really matters and who's been here the longest? And, and so I ended up getting interviewed by Donovan Sharp. And now he's somebody that I collab with. Um, really wonderful mentor, contrary mm -hmm. to popular belief. And then I started realizing a lot of people are talking about this guy, Rolo Tomasi. Yeah. Like why, why this guy? <laughs> yeah. And he wrote this book called the rational male. That was pretty pivotal. It's the premier book for male dating strategy and also decodes Thanks. female dating strategy. And I would like to think that there could be a female version of that, the rational female, but really it's just already been written. It's a pretty bipartisan book. So mm -hmm. I started looking at making sure that I'm vetting the people that I speak to, that they've been there for a couple of years, 10, sometimes even 18. I'm very concerned on who I speak to in that space because it's really easy to get scammed. It is mm -hmm. something that people use as a grift. So that's how I ended up finding the content. And I grew up in a lower socioeconomic status home, in a single mother home, and I was even subjected to physical assault for over a decade. So all of the red flags that go right. on when you grow up in a single mother home, that's what I lived with. And that is a direct consequence of poor mate selection. And the red pill, mm -hmm. a lot of times, is about optimal mate selection. So I started looking at what some of the men were saying. And I thought, how is this stuff helpful for women? How can I spin this for women so that they can have some kind of advantage or some kind of tool? And it's been working and it's been effective. And that's why I said earlier that my target demographic is actually children. But in order to get mm -hmm. to the children, I need to get to the women first. And that's right. where I'm at. That's how I ended up over here. And to be honest, you know, most of the guys have been cordial with me professionally. Aside from that, I mean, the only, only problem I have is sometimes I curse and they're put off by <laughs> that. They wish I spoke more ladylike. But I'm like, hey, you know, I was in the army. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, All the names that you've mentioned have been pivotal in my life. I mean, I... I go back to even the more controversial names like Tom Likas, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Um, these individuals, first of all, they were so far ahead of their time because, uh, again, it's not like we just knew we're like modern women or modern dating. Everything is just so controversial as of the 2020s or you know 2000s. Like this has been going on for years, decades, if not. So the transition of men seeing this take place, and of course, divorce has always been then family court's been a thing for a minute, um, and again you mentioned this earlier, it's like there's nuance in the red pill and most people don't have the ability, especially men that are, you know, suffering from, they're recovering from a divorce or that they've been hurt, they've been cheated on. They go to the red pill to get this, what Rolo Tomasi mentions as red meat. And I'm like, I just want to hear how women are getting cheated on back or women are getting divorced or, or women are being hurt. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what, especially as Rolo Tomasi mentions, the red pill is a praxeology. It's, it's talking about human nature and how we tend to do certain things in these certain situations. Um, and so, of course, you have everyone with a di different agenda, like Fresh and Fit is demonized. I'm like, I don't agree with everything they say. I don't agree with everything Kevin Samuel says. Mm -hmm. um, but most of it, I, I do agree with. And so, of course, ad hominem comes up and like, we're just going to attack the person. Oh, they have a bald spot or the, he, he appears to be more feminine than he should. He should. Kevin Samuel should be more masculine in his mannerisms, what have you. I'm like, if you pause the tape in any given moment, you can find somebody's wrist limp or something. I'm like, you, you can find something that you can use to demonize someone just to you know, dismiss what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, it, it's always interesting to hear how people arrive at the red pill. Um, a lot of men come to it after they've experienced some type of hurt or, or painful experience. Um, luckily, I, I didn't have that experience. Luckily, it was just kind of curiosity and how I, I tend to just dig and dig. And I think Rol mm -hmm. I came to Rol Tomasi's book first. Um, I think it was after I read The Way of the Superior Man by David Dita. Um, and then No More Mr. Nice Guy came up and as you kind of discover that there's a whole world of people, especially men, like we discover, yeah, other men experience what you're experiencing. You're not mm -hmm. alone in, in your experiences and how 
you know, I, I went through high school as a virgin. I finally got some in my twenties and I moved away, got my own apartment and you start experiencing and you start teaching yourself. I didn't teach me any game. So when I had to go figure out how do I get the female human's attention? What do I have to do um, outside of just be myself to woo her? Um, and you start learning how women think. And of course, uh, Robert Greene, one of my favorite, he's my favorite author. Um, and uh, Art of Seduction, 48 Laws of Power, Art of War, he talks about how humans think. It's not all, like our, our seduction, people think it's about sex. It's about how humans think and how we make our decisions and what mm-hmm. operates in our subconscious and how we're able to trigger certain things. And it could be labeled as manipulation. Like there's a ton of different terms that are thrown around. Um, but it, it's truth as it relates to reality because if you practice some of these things, you realize it works. If you keep your frame, like if you operate on a lot of the laws that Roald Thomas, he teaches, um, and he explains, you know, like most of us are already doing it or we already have done it. We just don't know what it's called or he applies a label to it. And you're able to look at humans objectively and say, that human in most cases is going to do this right here. The path of least resistance can be taken versus the right answer or the right choice. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting to hear you know, how people arrive, especially women, um, because it's, it's not a natural path. The algorithm is weird. The algorithm somehow gets a, finds a way into your mind. I'm like, yeah, you should be watching this video. And then you click it and I'm like, oh, I, I do want to watch that. So it's always interesting. Um, you mentioned red flags in, in your monologue. Um, I saw one of your, uh, your Instagram posts and I, I wrote down a couple of them. You often talk about running and fitness in general. Um, red flags for women would be a high body fat percentage. What are your thoughts on the body positivity movement? I think they're making up their own science. I've talked to an obese woman who was part of the body positivity movement. And these people are just trying to come out and say that you're healthy at any size. And that's not true. And it makes me angry because at the end of the day, it's women who are going to suffer if we keep telling them that it's okay that they're obese and Mm -hmm. they're going to continue to experience cardiac events. It's (laughs) going to kill them, whether you believe it or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I saw Jeannie Mai had a benefit for the heart disease event because it's the number one killer of women. Mm-hmm. Why, why might that be? Why might that be? Right. Why also are women more obese than men? And mm. I think a lot of this has to do with genetically modified foods. And so I think women do have to be educated. And honestly, the biggest problem that I see with women is that they don't know their basal metabolic rate, which is right. the amount of calories that you burn in a day if you never got out of bed. You were just breathing air. How, how much does it take to sustain you? So it's called your BMR. A lot of women, once they find out this number and they start measuring food, they tend to do well. I have a pretty high success rate when I help my clients with nutrition and I'm not teaching them anything special. I don't mm-hmm. sell a plan. I don't, I talk to women. I do one-on-one so that they can hear my perspective uh, in regards to like fitness and nutrition. I just try to give them whatever is going to be sustainable. And mm-hmm. that's what I think is going to end up working. So the body positivity movement, it's just a lie. There's a lot of feminists in there. And they don't want to think that maybe they're hurting these people in the end. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, where are all the feminists going to be at your funeral when you died from being yeah. 300, 400 pounds? And it, let's not even talk about um, the the virus yeah. and how there was very poor outcomes for obesity or things yeah. that are practical like low vitamin D. But that's not the stuff that gets talked about. Yeah. Just what gets talked about is, you know, stay home, wash your hands, be paranoid and take this medication. <laughs> Yeah, like we gotta we gotta move on at some point right so yes i think body positivity movement is damaging and look like i lost 45 pounds it wasn't fun being fat it hurt my ankles my joints hurt i was incredibly inflamed i know people that get obese and you can see the inflammatory markers because you can see it on their skin they are inflamed but these some of these people are coming out and they're saying well my blood work is fine 
Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But if you have fat outside, then there's this stuff called visceral fat. So you yeah. best believe your organs are suffering too. So I think yeah. we just need to help people. And look, I don't think most women who are obese mean to be obese. If you had to choose between being pretty and being obese, I don't know any, I don't know any woman who would choose being obese. Right. So we just have to educate them on nutrition, but they have to get over their shame of feeling mm-hmm. bad about letting it get that bad. And right. I mean, if you're looking at our modern lifestyles and our modern food choices, it's no wonder we're experiencing obesity. So just educate women with a loving hand. Love them know, hey, mom, look, I'm worried about your weight and I'm not doing this to make fun of you. I just want you to be around for your grandkids and have those kinds of conversations. Women tend to receive advice more if you put love at the forefront. With yeah. men, I think they just want to hear, <laughs> like, hey, how can I fix this? Like, okay, here's what you do, sir. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely a fact. That's something I learned um, for, for a while now as far as I have to filter my logic first through love. And, and like, I have to find a way to filter my logic through some type of emotion, um, preferably one that that's the delivery does matter. You see how Kevin Samuels is constantly, you know, your tone is too harsh. You, I'm like, well, the truth, like if, if the bridge is out, please yell at me. Please call me on my name, but please tell me the bridge is out. Often men appreciate candor. We, we appreciate somebody just telling us the truth straight up. Like, listen, the bridge is out. I don't care what you, how you feel about it. I'm not even gonna let you proceed past this point. Like, stop, the bridge is out. And often, you know, when we communicate with women, like my ex, like you, you have to like, I have to find a way to say this properly. Um, so it, it's always a thing, um, even with my mother. I, I, I'll, I'll take a moment of you know vulnerability and mention how you know I struggle to be around her in her current condition. You know, at, and I constantly mention I'm like, yo, the fructose, it's the fatty liver, like insulin resistance. It's it's a thing, and of mm-hmm. course, I I'll in all the documentaries that I, I'll, I'll watch two or three two or three hour documentaries. I, I love studying that stuff, and it sounds like you do too. Like yeah. I, I love just going down a rabbit hole on a single a single topic and like, oh, sugars the causal factor, like there's correlation, but then the causal factor can be, just look at sugar. And of course, sugar's in everything. It's in ketchup, it's in mustard, it's it's all over the place. So oh, yeah. um, in love, you have to try to communicate a lot of these different topics of like, this is what's causing you to be unsuccessful in most of the area. Like Lizzo, there's not a line outside of her door saying, oh, I care about your money. Like, it's a priority for some people, but it's right. a low, very low priority for me to like, how, how much money you make? Like, it's not a thing. And, of course, as women grow and, and I mean, the, the numbers don't bear this out completely as far as women being empowered financially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, income, is, is, it seems to be impressive subjectively to those who, you know, make 50 grand a year or something, um, which is still a minority compared to men. But uh, it's a whole thing. But in regards to other red flags, um, we're going to go down the list. I only have a couple of them um, that, sure. that you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned self-harm. Mm-hmm. Would you consider tattoos to be a form of self-harm? No, but I, I don't think that they're classy. Um, I think you can get feminine tattoos, but I have a lot of tattoos and my mother warned me and she told me you're going to regret these. And I didn't want to hear that because I was looking at some of the decisions that she made, you know, no, mm-hmm. no disrespect, but I was like, why would I listen <laughs> to you? Right. So I went and I got all these tattoos and now they're kind of a problem for me. I didn't know that I was going to end up wanting to be traditional at one point, but I don't think they're a form of self-harm. Although I have seen people, they go through stressful situations and they will get a tattoo. But I mean, it's better to do that than to mutilate yourself. No, I don't have any tattoos. And I sadly admit that I do want one. 
um, because they do look cool. Like it looks dope in photos. Like the more muscle mass you have, you get a tattoo right over it. It looks more dense. I'm like it's the whole thing, especially with the way I think. I'm like, that would be a dope angle, bro. If I get the shoulder and then get the bicep. But of course, the needles pump the brakes for me. Um, why in 2022 are we still using needles to administer? Like people say it's not as painful or it's not an actual needle. I'm like, you know, I, I don't care. First of all, it's permanent. It costs more money to remove it than to administer it. It's a whole thing. Um, and, and of course, people do what they want with their body. Like we went from children writing on the wall to adults writing on ourselves. I, I can't seem to make logic of it. Like it, it escapes me, but um, I've always found it interesting um, how we use our bodies as, as our canvas. Um, and of course, you mentioned self-harm. I'm like, I've never dealt with that, but I've dealt with depression and anxiety. I, I've been diagnosed with it, especially coming from Alaska. Like you mentioned vitamin D. Mine was in the toilet. Uh, just dealing with two hours of sunlight and it wasn't really sunlight. It was just the sun's visible. Um, and mm-hmm. then it goes right back down for the next 20 hours or so, um, or t- 22 hours. It, it was a whole thing where I dealt with mental health issues. Um, and of course mm-hmm. the army has its, it's, you know, struggles with it. The air force the military at large is dealing with mental health. Um, as mm-hmm. far as how do we rectify this? How, how, how do we fix this? Um, but yeah, you, you see across the board how I think everyone's struggling in their own way. And you mentioned this earlier about how like women suffer, men suffer, and we had this victim oppression Olympics of everyone's trying to be the best oppressed person. I'm like, no, I'm black and I'm, and I'm a man. I'm struggling the most. I'm like, well, no, I'm sure I can find somebody who hasn't ate today. You ate three, four times mm-hmm. a day. You worked out in air conditioning. Like, well, what are you talking about? You're, you have a computer in your pocket. Um, and I, I think Ukraine and the Russia situation, it kind of shed light on the fact that Americans are just spoiled and we'll find the smallest thing. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my, my live stream lagged as I talked to thousands of people and they sent me money. Like, what, what are you talking about? Somebody just like, uh, I believe it's the Daily Mail. They post pretty, pretty regularly about how a woman got, got attacked by uh, Russian forces and was raped and, and yeah. murdered. And I'm like, juxtapose that with the average American complaining about they said your name wrong. Or, or they spelled it wrong on your coffee cup at Starbucks. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is what this is what we're dealing with. Like, it's first world problems. And of course, it's somewhat proportional. It's subjective. But I always like to keep a worldwide view. And it's a luxury of our current times that we have the ability to see what's going on around the world. Um, but I always try to keep objective, objectively, what is suffering on planet Earth? And how we're blessed in most cases. Most of us, especially us, anyone's watching this. Um, they have mm-hmm. a computer in their hand. They're, they're, they're watching this somehow. Um, they have Wi-Fi. Like, you're blessed. And we're blessed in most cases. So... Um, I always have a high level of empathy of people that have mental health issues, mainly because I have them as well. And, you know, even in the richest country in the world, arguably, um, in a lot of the luxuries that we live in daily, we still find, you know, areas of struggle. And so it's an ongoing thing. And you see this self-harm, you see this with suicide. Um, and I, I saw how you mentioned on one of your Instagram posts, how you're kind of, you know, leading the charge as far as helping others and you have your coaching and your life coaching, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, what led you to want to help other people in that area? Do you have any experience with mental health issues, um, especially as it relates to, you know, your military service? So I don't have any mental health issues as it pertains to my military service. Mostly I just struggled with uh, complex PTSD, which is just fancy for your life with threat on multiple occasions. I was physically assaulted for a decade, you know, and mm-hmm. that's how you're supposed to respond. You're supposed to be afraid when somebody's hurting you and aggressing you. But that was just really hard for me. I was always going through highs and lows, very chaotic. I was terrified all the time. I don't talk about it a lot. I, I do have a significant mental health history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't help but look at the people that are entrusted to protect you and your youth and think about, man, 
Like how far behind are you setting me when it comes to life and the dating market? Cause I know a lot of traumatized Latinas, mm-hmm. a lot. So it wasn't just something that I went through. I think that there are some cultural issues and I think that there's cultural issues that white people can't speak on when it comes to our communities. But at the same time, we don't want to talk about it because if we talk about what we're doing wrong, then it's going to prove the white people right. When, mm-hmm. when I'm saying that, I'm saying, you know, more specifically racist stereotypes, but some things are just a fact. And there are some things that are really deeply wrong with Caribbean culture. So that's where a lot of my stuff is coming from is that I got better. Mm-hmm. I got treatment. My heart rate is lower. I was able to lose 45 pounds. I was able to find love. I was able to get married. And I wasn't supposed to. Statistically speaking, I should be on drugs or dead. You know, that right. That is the reality of the situation. But I wanted something different for myself. And I had to do it myself. In a lot of ways, I think, that I raised myself. I was a latchkey kid. My mom was too busy with the bills. So she would be working a lot. And I wouldn't see her for hours. I got very self-sufficient at seven years old. But there were some problems that I had with that. For example, I started finding alcohol when I was 13. That was the first time I took a sip of alcohol. And I realized... Wow, I feel a lot better about my life when I drink. And that was something that I carried with me mm-hmm. to my mid-20s. And so you hear you hear people coming out and talking about, oh, women with baggage, women with baggage. We don't all come from the white picket fence and the two-parent household. Life is yeah. not easy for everyone. But I saw how I was able to lift myself up. And I thought, well, why don't I go out here and why don't I help other women lift themselves up? And I'm not perfect. And when I say like I had mental health problems, it, it runs deep. But if I talk about it, then it's gross and it's icky and it turns people off. You know, mm. matter of fact, a lot of my tattoos are from self-mutilation from when I was a lot younger. And there's, there's things that I did that I can forgive myself for because when you are 15, you don't, it's not like you have a fully formed limbic system. Of course I was going to be freaking <laughs> out, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like I was getting beat up. Of course it was a yeah. challenge, but I came to find that a lot of women, what's holding them back is delusion. And I'm able to see through that because I learned how the world was at a very young age. I learned that it was unfair and sometimes mm-hmm. nobody's coming to help you. And that was something that I did, you know, with my military service. I realized I had a socioeconomic status problem. So I went and I joined the military and it made me financially stable. And I've been financially stable ever since. Now, did I, you know, was there a price to be paid for that? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm just out here trying to help women because I remember being at my lowest. I remember being on drugs, living out of my car, not having access to a shower, not knowing that there was like charities and nonprofits. And I think I was maybe 18 or 19 when this happened because I just got fed up with my home life. I was like, no, I am so tired of you people. I'm done. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And I was just so alone. And so I know that there's other women out there who feel just as alone. And that's what that's what really pains my heart. Like the, the, the maternal aspect of me is when people choose to self delete, that means that they died without hope. There Mm -hmm. is not an ounce of hope whatsoever that the situation was going to get better. And I know enough about life that it does get better. Sometimes you just have to be patient and I just try to help out where I can, you know, like that's stupid. I went from being homeless to being a housewife. Why wouldn't I share that with people? That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. uh, it's going to be it's going to continue to be a thing mainly because the voices like yours aren't the loudest or like you don't have like a million subscribers like you're, you're going to come up but the people that do have millions of subscribers like they may not be touching on a lot of these different topics and it's not like everyone has to be this front runner for certain topics like not all of us are educated on the topics enough um first of all sidebar I, i'm highly intrigued by your mind um every time you mention like a certain term like you mentioned the, the, the limbic brain 
I'm like, versus, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like the frontal cortex or something. Like, I, I'm always intrigued by people that are intelligent, like sleepers. I'm like, Brett, this mind is amazing. And so, of course, Thank it you. just makes me want to ask more questions. You know, and I try to avoid tangents as best I can. I'm like, let me just stick to my little, I, I got some questions I want to ask. But of course, tangents always, you know, tempts me to, to partake therein. Um, but yeah, I, I'm highly intrigued by your mind. Every time you, you, you mention something, I'm like, how does she know about that? She's studying anthropology. Okay, maybe it correlates to that. Maybe they talk about the brain of a human that they're actually studying. Like, that, that makes sense. Um, and of course, college has all these extra courses you have to take along with it. But um, I'm highly intrigued by you. Um, so far that this, this interview is, is, is highly enlightening. Um, mm-hmm. um, as a tr- traditional wife, what are your thoughts on submission, um, being submissive? Why do you think it's such a volatile topic? To modern women. Oh my gosh. I can't even. So people get submission confused with making your dog submit to you. They think you're training mm-hmm. someone. And to be honest, you do train people. How are you going to be in a long-term relationship with somebody and never teach them how to treat you? Right. So you're going to train them. You're going to run mm-hmm. psychological experiments with one another. What happens when I do this? What happens when I do this? But, you know, that's an entire aside. Submission mm-hmm. is really willful cooperation. Mm-hmm. You're joyfully participating in the relationship and you're letting your man lead. But oftentimes what doesn't get talked about is when men submit to women, because if you get biblical about it, the man is commanded to submit to Christ. The wife is commanded to submit to their husband, but they're also committed. Com- what is it called? They're also compelled to submit commanded. to one yeah. another. So there's going to be times in your life as a man where your leadership for a specific situation is not as good as your wife's. And so maybe you'll submit to her on one position or maybe you'll concede. For example, Mm -hmm. you're going through something at work with your female coworkers. She basically breaks it down to you and is like, this is probably what offended her. I, you know, I recommend you apologize and break it down kind of like this. And you say, okay, if you're a really bristly man, you just say, no, I don't want your input, but that's, that's ridiculous. So it's just willful cooperation. And the thing about it is there's not a lot of concern to be had when it comes to submission if you are being led by a competent leader. Mm-hmm. I am okay with following my husband's lead because his path of leadership is a lot better than mine was. Because, you mm-hmm. know, I basically raised myself. That's my opinion. So a lot of the ways that I guided myself, I didn't succeed as much as I do now under my husband's leadership. And some women are like that. And some women enjoy that. I enjoy it. And I'm not even submissive in you know, the, the perverted kind of way. It's just, Mm -hmm. he's smart. He knows what he's doing when he doesn't know what he's doing. He asks my opinion. I give my opinion and he chooses a path and it Mm -hmm. works out for us. And even if we fail, my husband is human. He's not going to be perfect all the time. So I also need to give him some grace because I don't want him to be breathing down my neck when I mess up either. So that's just a problem for women who are coming from a lower socioeconomic status. It's hard to trust in your man in that way. Yeah, That's really what it is. They only learn to grow up in fear. You can't ever trust a man. You better get your job, get the bag, get your education, serve in the military, only depend on yourself. It's just fear from, I think, these broken cultures and single mother homes to convince a woman coming from a lower socioeconomic status single mother home to trust in a man completely and entirely and to submit to him she's mm-hmm. going to give you a run for her money it's going to be terrifying but for those women out there who want to take the leap of faith you know try it out if he takes your femininity for granted then on to the next <laughs> on to the next i'm telling you a smart man will see a sincerely feminine woman and appreciate her and lead her in the right direction if he sees her so just keep trying very well stated 
very well stated. Mm-hmm. I, I've made a whole live stream on submissions. So I'm not. I'm not even going to try to follow it with my own rhetoric. But I think you hit all the points. I mean, even in the military, even men have to submit to other men, um, as well as other women who are in positional power. Um, and you have to understand that as long as there's a hierarchy in place, submission is always a thing. And we may call it different things, like you know, you you report to somebody else, or you know, that's your supervisor, that's your boss. But submission is what you're doing, and a lot of people don't realize that they go to work and they're submissive to whoever they report to. They come mm-hmm. home and uh, I'll submit to only myself and my own my rules. It's a huge thing, um, and it's unfortunate because a lot of people won't be able to experience the cooperation that does exist between men and women when both people understand their roles and understand that we're working together. If we both mm-hmm. operate, like only one person can have their hand on the wheel. If both people are trying to steer the car, we're going to be in the ditch. Somebody has to say, hey, you could turn right here. The map is saying go forward. It'll be an extra three minutes. Give your opinion. Give your, your thought process, your perspective. But somebody has to be the person that's steering the car. Two people can't steer the car. So that's the analogy I usually give as far as submission, you know, visualized. is like one person is steering the car. Everybody in the backseat, all the backseat drivers got their opinion. We're going too fast. We're going too slow. Turn here. You missed your turn. Go over there. Take this mm-hmm. road. Somebody got to steer the car. And so um, whether it's a man or woman, one person got their hand on the wheel. Like, if you're better with finances, then you deal with the finances. But we all can't be trying to turn and, and change velocity. We're, we're going to be derailed. And it's unfortunate a lot of people can't realize how simple that is, that you're not, you're not like a slave to somebody. You have a choice. Love is based on free will. Marriage is based on free will. That's why it's a question, will you marry me, not you will marry me. Like, it's a question. You respond mm-hmm. in kind based on what you decide to do. So, um, and again, a lot of it's logic-based. Um, not everything is because there's some things that even men struggle with emotionally. I, I, you hear all these tropes about like men, you know, need to touch their feminine side. Like, no, that's not true. Men need to be become emotional intelligent, um, emotionally intelligent rather. Um, understanding, you know, as they grow maturity, that not everything is black and white. Some things are nuanced, including the red pill, the black pill, the white pill, the pink pill, all these different ideologies. Most of the answers in a world of red and blue are purple. Like most things, it depends, which I, I hate that phrase. Most things do depend on another variable. That's just how the world works. Mm-hmm. So there's cause and effect, and we must abide you know, by those rules because, of course, a, a designer, a creator, a, the first mind implemented all these different rules, the laws of logic, laws of mathematics, laws of thermodynamics. They were implemented by a mind, not by chance, because otherwise, why would we follow them? So it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to think, which way do I want to take it? Which way do I want to take it? Um, Wherever you want to go, let's do it. Perfect, perfect. From a married woman's perspective, what does a man going into marriage, let me rephrase, what does a man gain in marriage that he doesn't have access to while dating? It's a really hard question for me to answer. I asked my husband, we have a very traditional setup. So I wake up every morning at 6.30 and I cook him his breakfast and his lunch exactly how he likes it and he's a picky eater. And I do that because, well, you know, he takes really good care of me and I'm happy to cook for him. I actually, actually really like it. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoy that. It's my favorite part of my morning and it does take, you know, two to three hours because I also got to clean up after I cook everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked him, you know, what do you get from being with me? And he told me that me making his breakfast in the morning, he saves about three hours a week getting ready. So that's one mm-hmm. thing about it. The other thing is that you get an assistant and I realize that sounds really bad, but you know, you can help each other. Like sometimes there are women that, Hey honey, I would love to call into work, but one of the kids is sick and I've called into work already two times cause they got sick back to back last week. And so I need you to call into work. So you just, you help each other. I noticed so we were just getting ready to 
close on a house and I had to deliver the check. And I was like, it's like, yeah, I'm a boss, babe. I'm gonna drop off right. this check. I'm gonna get it done. <laughs> so I just help him with the little odds and ends. I like to do the housework. He brings the laundry down. I fold the laundry. He seems pretty happy about that. And there's also, I mean, that's just logistically what mm-hmm. I provide for him. There's the whole other piece, which is companionship and romance and in love. He can be vulnerable with me. He's a competent man. And so if he's fallen, I can be patient and rest assured that he will pick himself up. So there's mm-hmm. no real reason for me to mess with him when he's down because he's going to lift himself up. It's happened mm-hmm. time and time again. Men are not perfect. You do need to exercise patience. And I give him purpose, purpose, because before... My husband was a a lifelong bachelor. My husband is 50, by the way. Mm -hmm. So he had just gone a very long time only working for himself. And he doesn't have any kids either. He was never married before anything like that. And now he has a wife and a dog to provide for. And there's (laughs) a little bit more pep in his step. I think men need to work for things in order to value them. He probably values me way more because he supports me. And he Mm. probably has an easier time dealing with the stress of his job because of that. I think about that sometimes where we have, you know, people who aren't coupled. And so men are going out there and they're doing these really hard jobs. And I'm just saying on average, sure, there's probably, you know, women out there doing the same stuff. But if we're going to talk about like manual labor or STEM, it's, you know, predominantly male. So they're Mm. going out here and they're doing these, these hard jobs, working 40, 60 hours a week, and they have nobody to come home to. Well, no wonder some of these men might be struggling with depression or, you know, self-deletion rates or alcoholism. I just can't help but wonder that if there was a loving woman home for them to come home to, would they act different? Would they be a little bit more chipper? I like to think so. And I just, Mm -hmm. I want, I know I'm a hopeless romantic. I want people to come together. There's other things as well. He gets to test out his leadership skills. He doesn't have to wonder, you know, just say like, I think I'm a competent leader. No, he gets to find out with our family. Mm-hmm. There's right. a really good positive feedback loop. And yeah, I mean, we like cuddling. We like watching TV. <laughs> I don't know. That's facts. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is where my neurotic side comes out. This is where my love of words comes out, um, where I re-ask the question. Um, and I, I mean, no disrespect. But so my, my questions are phrased very intently. And that mm-hmm. what you gave is the typical answer I typically get. And this is why I love this question. Um, I'll, I'll repeat it real quick. From a married woman's perspective, what does a man gain in marriage that he does not have access to while dating? Now, there are some nuances that maybe a man would not be fully supporting a woman while they're dating. Maybe she would be mm-hmm. supporting herself, but that's right. something she would gain. But in terms of a man, now, you, you did highlight, like, maybe he has a different qualitative effect gain in terms of I feel more responsible. I feel more fulfilled by providing for my, my wife, my family. Um, because mm-hmm. a lot of the words do change from my girlfriend to family. Like now she's, she's her social security number is tied to mine. Like she's in my house. Mm-hmm. She's on my house. You know, like she, she's, uh, she's on the bill. She's on everything. It's a different feeling. It's, it's qualitative in nature. Um, but it's, it's a question I love asking mainly because as a single man and someone who is trying to hold on for dear life to any amount of hope for marriage in a modern society, modern, you know, marriage being typically traditional. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to hold on to a little bit of hope that I have left. And not so much that I'm against marriage. I'm against the institution of marriage, which is a partnership with the government. Um, mm-hmm. Because I can have all those things you mentioned. I can have companionship. I can test out my leadership skills. I can have children. I can have a living girlfriend who cooks for me every morning. I can have all those things and still not sign the dotted line and get married. So my mm-hmm. question is, is there any reason for a man to get married if he have ac- access to all those things you mentioned while dating? 
Yes, but it's hard to explain. It's something that you, as a man, you have to go out and experience it. You have to go out and experience. You pledge to a woman. You have access to my sexual loyalty, hopefully, and my resources for the rest of your life. And the woman, in turn, provides you with sexual loyalty and legacy. Hopefully, you have children. Hopefully, she raises them right. It's not the same as having a living girlfriend because it is... It's devaluing. That's something that women struggle with. They're, you know, being convinced, oh, I should just be okay with, you know, being a living girlfriend and being a roommate and being a wife doesn't matter. It matters. It always matters. Now, some women will compromise and they'll say, look, you know, I will be in an LTR because of how much he provides for me. I've seen women who are with millionaires. The question doesn't come up. They just turn it off. And I don't know if that's a question that stays in their mind, but it still remains that it is the most romantic gesture a man can do for a woman. It just is different, but you would have to find out yourself, but you have to pick a worthwhile woman to pledge to these things to in the first place. I know that there's a difference. I saw a difference in my husband. My husband, the day after we got married, he's laying in bed and he's staring at his ring and he's like, I I feel different now (laughs) because it's meaningful, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that's really predicated on if you are married to a compatible partner, a woman who's going to hold you down. And, you know, I I know people talk about the red pill and men losing their jobs and things like that. But, you know, I was thinking about, because a lot of people get confused with this Tradcon thing. They're like, oh, well, if your husband stops making money, then like, are you going to leave him? (laughs) No, I don't think that's practical. I love him, but he's also a resourceful man. And so as long as he doesn't have any mental cognitive deficits, like that kind of disability, I don't care if he loses a leg, that man is going to find out how to make money for this family. And so I would be okay with going out and getting a little job and trying to hold it down for the family, you know, while he recovers and regroups. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it's different. And a lot of wives will tell you the same thing that it is different. You just have to be very mindful of who you're marrying. And I think it's a real problem. These family laws and women need to come out and they need to talk to their legislators and say, this is not okay. I think we've moved a pendulum way too far. We have to give men more autonomy in the courts. But women are just solipsistic or maybe selfish in a way too because they will go out. They don't want to depend on a man until mm-hmm. they get divorced. And then they want that alimony and then they want the child support and then you don't even get to see your kid, right? right? But then if a man is to self-delete over that, they're like, was it me? wasn't me he made that choice he made that choice no like don't deny your influence in the situation there are Mm -hmm. men out here that it's very sad that you see young men who are afraid of marriage because they're going to be taken to the cleaners so we have to change something about it and if we can't change the laws what we can do is encourage men to be masculine so that they can stay in their frame and that at least you know then this woman is willing to be in my frame or Mm -hmm. she does not want to be in my frame so i'm not going to talk to her anymore so we right. can't change the laws, but we can probably bring masculinity back. That's my perspective. It's a well-balanced uh, approach. Um, and one thing I guess a lot of men don't account for, and this is why w- women's voices are appreciated, um, is that the nuance brought to qualitative benefits is not always preached about. Um, because it seems like as if everything you mentioned as far as the benefits that man would gain, they're qualitative. And so you can't quantify them with dollar amounts or with numbers. Um mm-hmm. It's kind of like cuddling. What do I benefit from cuddling? Like, well, your serotonin's gonna, like, your dopamine, like, all, all your hormones are gonna spike. Um, even your testosterone might rise just because you're holding something feminine, something soft, something that smells like lavender or vanilla. Um, so you start enjoying the process and the qualities thereof of the process um, fulfill you versus 
Yeah, I didn't gain any money by doing this. I, I I didn't grow stronger. Like I didn't lift any weights heavier. Even though there's some arguments for you know testosterone rising because of a feminine, um, you know, environment or of a feminine woman being around. Um, there are benefits thereof. So I, I will concede that um, ever so partially. Um, but yeah, I when I when I ask for quanti- quantifiable benefits. Mm-hmm. I still am looking for those, and maybe they do exist. And I just haven't come across it. Of course, people mm-hmm. bring up like tax benefits. I'm like, I get all those if I have kids. Like, you can have kids and get with dependent rate benefits and what have you. Like, all, all that is inclusive. Um, but mm-hmm. you, you did mention but something. What if there aren't any quantifiable benefits? What if, I mean, yes, you can outsource, you can pay for an assistant, you can pay for a chef, and you can pay for a cleaner. Now, most mm-hmm. men can't afford that, right. but you know, maybe a wife is more than the housework, although it's great. Men still want a woman to do that, you know, earn their keep a little bit. So, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't, maybe it really is about romance. I'm, I'm a little bit kind of into the romantic side of things. I think it's real because I know husbands who are nuts about their wives and I know wives who are nuts about their husbands and they love each other and they have sex all the time and they're mm-hmm. having a great time. Is that most married people? No, but people are not typically, marrying their first choice so you get out there in that dating market and you compete mm. and you get your first choice you get your wholesome chad do your thing secure it and wholesome lock it chad. down <laughs> then you don't gotta worry about it you know yeah. mm. and mm. I, again I, I believe that's the because i i'm a hopeless romantic as well and i again a lot of people listening to this might be surprised to hear that but i am the poster child for someone who loves cuddling like i, I love giving foot massages like i i, I love all, all that soft stuff too when it's in its place, um, it, it's it's a, it's a part of me. I was raised with a very affectionate mom, um, and so I, I love laying my head in her lap and she just rubbing my head. Like, I I love that stuff, and so mm-hmm. of course I, I've I've considered the fact that all right, I can get all these things that all these women keep telling me. Oh well, you get companionship. I can get a dog, or I can just get a girlfriend. And when I want company, I can have company. Or I can just go on Tinder or Bumble and just pull whatever is offered, and just take that and get companionship for the moment. You're right in the fact that. A lot of those, a lot of those problems can be solved with money, um, mm-hmm. but of course, I would pause that there's something qualitative that you cannot monetize, and you would miss out on that. And of course, some people have to jump in the fire to realize it is hot, and of course, some people are going to jump in and realize I'm the exception. All the stats were right, but I just happen to be the one exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. I would imagine your husband is that when he listens to you talk and, and he realizes this woman loves me and she understands my struggles as, as a as a woman and as a man she, she's objective in nature in terms of her thinking not a lot of men can say that that a woman has listened long enough to understand he likes his eggs a certain way please don't please don't put pineapples in my eggs i don't i don't like that like a lot, a lot of women don't have or don't take an interest in learning their man and then they realize all right well he's unhappy i have no clue why like you listen to a lot of men talk and again they're logical and we have to be because we have to earn women we have to work for it. We have to go get a job to make to, so we can name drop and we could drop our. I work I work here and I do this and I make this amount mm-hmm. of money and like because all those questions are going to come up at some point. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, and you see like the the double standard argument of like men get praised for having a lot of sex because we have to work for it. We have to earn that mm-hmm. job. Whereas women can simply look at the many swipes they have. Oh, so a thousand people swipe right on me. You can just pick anyone at random and say I would like to have sexual congress with you. The chance of you getting denied is, is quite low. And uh, again, it's just different because men and women are different. So it's not an argument that we should be the same in that way. No, we are different. And mm-hmm. so therefore, our choices have to be different. Our, our disciplines are different. Women have to say no mm-hmm. more often. M- men have to say yes more often in terms of opportunity to discover what, what does exist. Often because we judge by appearance first. And in order to get beyond that, 
we still got to be attracted to her. <laughs> so it, it's a whole thing. But um, you, you make a lot of good points. So I, I definitely appreciate your your perspective on um, you know bring, bring more nuance to not everything is quantifiable. Not everything is a number. Some things you have to experience. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a huge studier of anti-fragility where you mm-hmm. want to pursue experiences that benefit you. Um, I don't want to I don't wanna, I'd rather read about divorce every day of my life than experience it myself. I don't want my kids, my future children to ever experience what's like for your parents to get divorced. I experienced it. And right. it's not something that you just get over in a day. I'm still studying marriage. I'm still studying divorce. I'm still studying the institution, the, the, the covenants that they talk about in weddings. That's never mm-hmm. discussed in the divorce court. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the divorce court doesn't sound anything like a wedding ceremony. The conversations are completely different. So mm-hmm. it's something that's always intrigued me as far as, you know, you go to divorce court and it's just silence on covenant. It's silence on affection. Silence on cuddling. You don't hear none of the talk in a wedding of two deaths oh, part. Yeah. Like, it's just different conversations. Mm-hmm. I would say that there's just a, the other piece about being a husband. And like I said, this is just predicated on you have a good woman. Is you feel like a man. Like she makes you feel masculine. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I tell women all the time, if you don't believe me, ask your man to do something easy. Right. It's like, oh, baby, you know, I can't get this jar open. Can you do it for me? And mm. then he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I can open this jar. Huh? Goodness, goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you tell him thank you after. And they they light up. They enjoy this praise. So, I mean, that's something to to really consider. And, you know, I do hope you meet a good woman out there. And I, I do agree. Women are very picky and they don't have realistic expectations of men. But I also live in the Midwest, and I do see a couple of good girl Beckys out here that would love to have a husband. You just got to think about where you're meeting these women. You're not going to find a wife at a bar. I mean, you might. Some people do. (laughs) Some people do. But, you know, if you want to have a quality woman, you might have to meet her at, like, a park or a coffee shop or, you Mm -hmm. know, a bookstore. Like, exercise discernment. Go where the good people are. Go find somebody over there. Yeah, that's a fair point. And uh, I'm not I'm not the person that's going to be like, try to demonize a whole demographic. I preach against it too often. Like, if all men are demonized, mm-hmm. and all women are demonized, then, then we're all just, you know, heathens out here trying to make it. Um, we can't demonize a whole group because of our anecdotal experiences. So you definitely have a point there as far as um, mm-hmm. everyone can't be the same because, therefore, it, it dismisses my argument completely. Um, but you did mention uh, to death to his part. What, what do you think the probability of two death to us part the actual vow is in modern day society? Well, I, I know that the divorce statistics say it's a 50%. You know, 50% of marriages end in divorce, and that's not being a widow or a widower. So I think the chances of you making it to death to you part, it's, it's 50-50. I really do. And I think that's sad, but we have to understand that we are probably in a post-marital society. Marriage mm-hmm. is not the norm. I don't know where we're headed I don't know if we're headed toward polyamory. I don't know if we're headed toward traditionalism or something in the middle. We're all going different directions. Mm-hmm. So there's no real way for me to have a projection on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually just, uh, I think I'm, yeah, I think you're just quoting a lot of my, anyway, I, I just <laughs> talked about all that stuff, like polyamory uh-huh. and like, I, I don't know where the world is going, but I know it's past traditional marriage. And a lot of people are still participating mm-hmm. in it, like you yourself and your husband. Um, not everyone is just jumping on the, the bandwagon of what's trending. Um, but the majority of people seem to be past the point where we stick to one thing for the rest of our lives. Because I don't think anyone can say that I'll have this phone until I die. It, it's a lie. It's going to break. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall. Or I'm going to get bored with it. And the new thing that just came out in September, Apple released something. And it had a huge or not. Like the notch got bigger. 
but somehow I want it. Like, uh, it has less storage, but somehow the color green is just, it got me. So mm-hmm. I, I'm struggling, and this is something I study often, is like, where do people choose something to do or to, to receive or to buy? And they stick with it until they die. I can't find evidence for it. Like, I don't think anyone stays at a job until they die. I don't think, like, un- unless you die early death, and that seems to be the only other option. No one signs a contract for a lifetime unless it's life insurance. Like, at mm-hmm. which point it just ends because you died. I can't find evidence that anyone will choose anything for a lifetime, which kind of when I look at marriage, traditional marriage, that is, I'm like, I can't find a reason. I can't find any incentive to pursue that. If humans at large, and of course there are exceptions, but the exceptions aren't loud. And so to find an exception, you have to be lucky. It's like two introverts trying to find each other. They're both mm-hmm. in their rooms, in their beds with the blinds closed. They will never find each other unless one of them decides to leave the room. But mm-hmm. therefore, in that moment, become an extrovert. You know, simply, I don't want to get into words right now, but it, it's a mm-hmm. whole thing that I, I struggle to find hope for. Um, and again, people like yourself, I, I put you in that small category, of that small percentage of hope that, that does exist. It's everywhere. It's, 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 it exists in the world. But finding it in my mm-hmm. lifetime, I'm 29. So I'm like, all right, if I start counting down from 100, where do I find this individual? First of all, I have to be the right person as well. So accountability is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't be out there trying to find something that I'm not. So that means I have to be mm-hmm. traditional in a world that's modern. Yeah. Yeah. I and see that as a big, a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, that's a big problem for men. They say that they want a traditional wife. And some of these men are, they're using real egocentric language. They're saying, I want a woman to cater to me. I want a woman to give me kids. Me, me, mm-hmm. me, me, me. That's right. not how that is. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because I find personal fulfillment in that. But a lot of these guys don't get it and they want these traditional stay-at-home wives, like these archetypes from the 1950s, which, by the way, that doesn't exist. Like, go out and get a sex doll. The reality Mm. of it is is that a housewife is going to cost and you cannot be making 40000 a year, but a lot of guys don't want to hear that. Mm. And they just have this fantasy. It's not sustainable for you to be making $40,000 a year and then for you to have a woman who is not working, your mm. household is going to collapse. And it's kind of incredible that some of these guys are even willing to try to finesse that out of women. And some women are <laughs> eating it up. I've, I've had to red pill rescue a couple of women where they've been convinced that a man is high value. And I'm like, sis, <laughs> you need to wake up and get a self-esteem mm-hmm. like yesterday. What are you doing? But, right. you know, as for being together to death to you part. So I, I'm in an age gap. So my husband is twice my age. So, I mean... He's definitely going to be with me for the rest of his life. I know that. But as for me, you know, I'm maybe some rough roads ahead of me. Um, Mm. But, you know, you've got time. You're 29. My husband was not expecting to fall in love or get married. He was done. He was so Mm. done. Nope. And, you know, I do think that men have a longer time to date and they can build their worth in society because society dictates your value as a man. That's mm-hmm. something that I agree with. And I think that women are born with your value without being tied to fertility. Right. So as long as you just stay on your own focus, women will find you. If you mm-hmm. have a decent social status and a decent character, a woman is going to find you. Now, I think some men, they don't understand, you know, necessarily who they're worth. Like sometimes... Sometimes your future wife is the gas station attendant. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, my guys, but sometimes that's who it is and you got to be okay with it. Or, you know, sometimes your future wife is going to be an RN and she's going to be working 40 hours a week and y'all are going to have to share the chores because the cost of living is real and she likes working. It is what it is. Just don't idealize people. Don't idealize men. I mean, I don't know what the 
what the opposite would be because i know men idealize me i'm part of uh this trad wife i guess label so i don't know why i wear dresses i wear dresses because i like them so but i actually do talk to other trad trad wives or how that's how they're viewed that's not really Mm. who these women are they're very nuanced but you'll see like they get dms and they are fetishized and they are idealized and Mm. that's just that basically just indicates to me that you really don't have that much experience with women Right. For you to pedestalize us, that means that you are not going out here and getting access to women. And that's a problem because right. a lot of the reason why, you know, I'm able to not not run a scam on my husband is because he has experience with women. Yeah. 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 And so he's able to kind of sort through the BS and say, no, like that's we're not doing that. We're not. And you're a regular person just like me. This is what I'm saying. This is what's about to happen. I'm like, OK, all right. <laughs> Speaking of men not having often having experience with women. Um, are you familiar with the, the black pill and the teachings thereof? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar. They just give up. There's no way you can compete in the dating market. And to that, I say, you know, fine, like don't have kids. I don't want you to have kids. I don't want mm-hmm. you to breed other pessimistic people. I, right. I am an optimist through and through. And you know what, if you don't want to make purpose in your life, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, you know, we all got to go at some point. So you have to choose to define a meaning for your life. Nobody's going to write it for you. And if you don't want to do that, fine. As for the rest of us that got some common sense, we're going to go, we're going to have a good time, and we're going to try to have a bunch of babies and continue the human species. You want to go on your own program, fine. The black pill is so interesting. Um, and uh, again, I'm one of those people that just happens to love listening to two and three hours. Like, I, I love road tripping. So I'll, I'll be in Miami or Orlando. And again, I was just living in New Mexico, so I'll, I'll be all over Texas. I, recently been to every major city in texas just probably in a span of a couple of weeks just, mm-hmm. I, I love driving and listening to podcasts i have like 400 videos downloaded currently that i just have to get through um but as it relates to the black pill and just listening to a lot of the rhetoric it's not all as dark as a lot of people think it is um that there are some things that they mention like height and again i have a high level i'm 6'2 i have a high level empathy for someone who's just again when i made my, my live stream about preference how do you get past the preference and discrimination? How do those two things exist? Because oh. the person getting rejected is going to call it re- discrimination. The person mm-hmm. with the preference or making the choice is going to call it preference. You can't dismiss either side truly, but of course the discrimination side is going to say, but you can't truly know why somebody doesn't want you unless they tell you. And then you still have mm-hmm. to pause at the fact that deception is a thing and people can lie. People can tell the truth, but how do you know the truth unless you are that person choosing? So mm-hmm. it's an ongoing conversation in my mind that I try to rectify. If I was five foot four, I was ugly. Um, I was broke. How could I change my life to get what I want? Because the, I, I don't think the conversation is I, I want a breathing female woman because I think they have access to that. I think the issue is I want a woman I'm attracted to. And of course, that woman has to want you back. And it, it's it's a chicken and egg issue of, all right, if mm-hmm. you want a female breathing woman, you can find that. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't think they can. They can pay for it at a bunny ranch. They can pay for it, right? But I don't <laughs> think they have access to women. I really don't. Most men aren't even having sex. So I don't think they have access to women. I think they just don't want to believe that being above average is going to solve it. And they're not willing to do the hard work. And in reality, I don't think the work is that hard. Because if you are 1% better every day at something... Mm-hmm. then over time, you'll be 100% better over 100 days. And when men talk about, you know, height, the height preference, 
Manny Pacquiao is 5'5". Five five. I don't think that guy <laughs> has any type of problem with no yeah. type of women. And I've met short men and they're buff. They get buff mm-hmm. and they, you know, make their social status in the world. And maybe it's not as sexy as a, a tall guy, but you know, you're not always going to get what you want. That's the same thing for women. Like, I think it's crazy that you got women out here who are four foot 11 trying to get with a dude who's six foot five. Right. Like, why? Why are you so selfish? Stop it. <laughs> Get all the tall women up in arms like breath save let, let me get the six five guy and because uh often and uh i know fem cells exist because, man because they're making videos now too but you see a lot of taller women who obviously they want somebody taller than them in most cases and of course but now they have to compete with the entire female race for something that they probably more or less should be getting relative to you know height standards or height averages in a given country and of course, there's ways around as far as you can go to a different country where the height average is taller or shorter, what have you, you know, based on your, your relative height. Um, but I do think that, you know, pessimism, it's a dead end. Just like in personal, my personal belief is optimism is dead end as too, dead end as well. I believe realism, um, whereas based on the current truth or facts, which again, I don't believe those words are the same. So I use both of them. Um, I feel like based on the current situation, you adjust, you adapt. And based on your research, based on your studying, based on your mentorship, the wisdom that you have poured into you, you're able to adjust in the moment. Um, and some people take longer. Some people need a week or two to, to actually think about a decision versus some people in the moment can just, it, it clicks. But either way, I don't think either extreme of pessimism or optimism is proper. Like people that go to war and are optimists, they die first. Like you have no business out there on the front line thinking that people are good and humans and, and maybe it's a bit of delusion not so much optimism and that's where semantics kind of takes over the conversation but right. I, i'm not sure where i mean the nuance seems to be it fit fit best in I the middle where all right there's realism and what is is current like this is what the current problem is and we just deal with that right now and then we keep going into the next problem you know rises you try to plan as best you can but um the black pill I, i'm not sure where to put them in my head mainly because as a man I, i've seen a lot of men struggle with certain basic things and not not all of it is as binary as you think like oh just flip a switch and be better or just improve yourself like some things it takes years or decades to improve yeah and some things you can't improve at all like height mm-hmm. and as you see a world drifting more and more towards just superficial you know mm-hmm. belief systems and this is on men and women's side like this is not just purely a woman thing where well i want a woman that's a certain height like yes me well my preferences are i'm like I'm immediately going to, to weight fitness and you, you mentioned this yourself as far as you know body fat percentages and you know oh, yeah. men are not rushing to find the heaviest woman they can find like it's more of a nuanced thing of I just prefer that she weigh less than me like can I lift her can I carry her over the threshold mm-hmm. or will I break my back in the process um, mm-hmm. so the, I think on both sides there's, there's a bit of growth necessary but at the end of the day mm-hmm. you still have biological preference and mm-hmm. our wiring is to want something organically like I don't have to tell myself hey desire that automatically I'm going I'm to desire something and it's not something I'm able to negotiate more or less. Um, but yeah, well, what are your thoughts on just preference in general and how we're able to navigate a given space? Well, I want to go back to the black pill side of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are just some harsh truths that life is not fair. And, mm-hmm. you know, how does a man who is a burn victim compete in the sexual marketplace? Facts. How does a woman who has acid burns to the face compete in the sexual yeah. marketplace? That's just a harsh reality. And I think people, you know, oftentimes just want to find a way to make the best out of a situation. And I think that's fair. But, you know, I don't know what to say to those people. Mm-hmm. I know that you can still live a full life 
if you never find love, you can find, you know, a passion and throw your heart into it. But that's the best answer I have. But I don't, I can't speak on that. I mean, I am, you know, I do have an autoimmune disease, but obviously I don't look like it. So I, I think that I, you know, I don't need to be pressed on that. As for dating preferences, I think they're fair. You're allowed to have dating preferences. I've been dealing with this problem a lot lately. I know white women who like black men and they feel bad about it. And to me, <laughs> I'm like, why? Like if that, if you like a chocolate daddy, then mm-hmm. go get one, sis. Like you have we, we my waiting. full support. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's like one, one piece of it, but there's other things yeah. too. Like some, some men want women with a low body count. Now I do think these guys are really disillusioned. Like I'm hearing that seven men is too high, which again, you're just letting me know that you don't have experience with women, but that's a preference that you can have. You don't want to have somebody who's out here running around on the CC. That's cool. But also like, don't be a hypocrite and know when to compromise. I'm not a perfect wife and there's compromises I made in my relationship. My husband is twice my age, but you know, that was, that was a deal I was willing to take. And I was a deal he was willing to take too. I don't think women settle for a man. I don't, I mm-hmm. think that's ridiculous. What do you mean yeah. you're settling? Like yeah, you can sense. go get a beta male provider doing probably just writing love letters. I mean, some of these guys <laughs> are so lonely, you know, yeah. you don't have to go out here and like get a whole man to do that. I think you take a deal and you take a deal that makes sense. And I think mm-hmm. that in the West we have, the romanticized version of love and we don't think about marriage as a duty or you have to have a discipline whereas mm-hmm. in the east they do think that marriage is a duty but we're seeing that that is changing because whatever starts in the west ends up spreading globally and you're seeing like feminism spreading you're seeing romantic love instead of that dutiful love when it comes to marriage mm-hmm. but those are my thoughts on that interesting you mentioned you listen to Kevin Samuels and how he's kind of assisted you and guided you um, in a lot of areas mm-hmm. of your life. Um, he, he has a, a, a phrase that he uses, high value men don't cheat, they exercise options. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Well, I think that there's only two kinds of men who cheat and it's the womanizer that you either ignored his red flags or you didn't find out he was a womanizer until after you got married. And then the other half of men who cheat they are cheating because the wife is withholding sex or because she gained 150 pounds. (laughs) People don't want to have that conversation, but it's true. And I actually think it's a problem. So if you withhold sex from your husband, you are sequestering him to self-pleasure for the rest of the marriage or the rest of his life. Do you really think that's sustainable? And you want him to be faithful to you? Mm. Why? Why? And then on the flip side is that if a husband is no longer attracted to his wife, he has to have sex with her anyway, if she wants it. But is that the same mindset for women? If your husband gains 150 pounds, you still Mm going to sleep with him the same? Probably not. Probably not. But yeah, so that's why I think men cheat. And I'm pretty sure I'm right for my conversations that I've had with men. Other than that, the exercising options, look, you want to be with a millionaire, it's going to come with some issues. Mm-hmm. that's just it is what it is i i actually like the amount of money that my husband makes a lot of people would say that he wouldn't make enough for them like these delusional women i'm sitting here like i think it's just <laughs> right. right anybody right. trying to steal him <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i mean you play with these high value men you play with these high value games and sometimes you win stupid prizes yeah you got to make a choice as a woman i know women who are okay with being in a rotation or who are okay with being cheated on as long as they don't know about it and in my personal perspective is more so if my husband cheats it probably says more about me than it does about him because of the dynamic of our relationship there, for for us there would have to be a reason 
he's stepping mm-hmm. out. And I believe that we would have a conversation first before he even did that because we're adults. You got to have that talk. Yeah. You got to say, hey, like a little more kitty cat. Where's the kitty cat? Looking mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, especially as, as it relates to age gap dating, um, there is an incentive for an older man to date a quite of a younger woman, mainly because as he ages, he's going to run into his biological issues. Like they always talk about like biological clocks mm-hmm. and how it affects women. I'm like, well, men got a clock too. It's just, it's tuned a bit, bit differently. And so a lot of our penances might be, a, you know, addressed later on in life. Um, but if you have something that ages at a lot slower, <laughs> and I don't want to reduce this down to like clocks and what have you, but um, when you think about a younger woman and how she, she's going to be attractive a long time, especially after you put a ring on it, Versus mm-hmm. if you marry somebody in their 40s, like they've already kind of hit the wall, as Rolos Masi will put it. Like, and of course, hitting the wall starts mentally before it appears physically. Because um, I know a lot mm-hmm. of older women that are just dropped dead on 10. Like, good Lord. Um, so oh, yeah. it's not always, you know, a physical wall. Um, but yeah, it, it makes sense. But as it relates to age gap dating, has there been anything that you've noticed, you know, has, has been an issue as far as uh, the differences in you guys' ages? Um, so at the beginning, no, not really. And then I think one day I got real snarky. I was like, you know, I don't think I'm as okay with your age gap, at, at, with our age gap as you think I am. And he was like, oh, right. well, I don't think that you know that I'm not as okay with you being young as you think I am. I was wow. like, oh. but that came up like way later, like a year and a half in. And, it, mm. you know, it's just, I think because I haven't lived that much life, although I am pretty wise, mostly it's just the stigma that's the mm. problem because a lot of people think I'm a gold digger it's hard for them to believe that I love a 50 year old man and Mm. I get it. I know how it looks, but you know, I love him. I wasn't planning on it, but I was willing to say yes. And you know, I know so many women that they restrict their dating pool by the age because they don't want to be with anybody who's four years older than them or more than that. And to me, I think that's silly. You can broaden your dating pool by being willing to date a man who's 10 years older than you. I just push it to the limit because he turned out to be very cool. But Mm. I think the only challenge is, might have you know i don't have as much life experience and then well for him i mean kind of his health he he, sometimes his joints hurt so (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes he begin that knee pain but that's about it it's just judgment from family and from the public older women stare at us a lot in comparison to older men Mm -hmm. yeah because you hear from a lot of older older women and like men are predators because they date younger women i'm like no predators defined by anything less than 18. Um, by mm-hmm. definition, at least speaking legally, um, and of course th- there's levels. Um, but as a as consenting adults, I'm not sure how we get no e- even reversing it where you have older women dating younger men. It's consensual in most cases. Like again, and uh, I don't want to get too in, too mm-hmm. far into that, but um, I, I can imagine that things might arise as far as generational differences. And like you might be on your phone a little bit longer than he might be. Like he, I'm gonna go outside in the yard and cut the grass and like. Or I'm just gonna go for a walk, or I'm gonna go sit in the woods, or oh, yeah. sit on top of a mountain. It, it might be different cultures or different, you know, viewpoints as it relates to, you know, the way you grew up. Like I grew up playing outside until the streetlights came on. The generation mm-hmm. after me, they grew up with a phone in their hand, and like well, I'm just gonna play Fortnite mm-hmm. until the Wi-Fi gets cut off or something. So it, there may be differences in, in the way people grow up, but humans in general, they learn very quickly how to get along. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's that black and white as far as, you know, you have to be within a certain age group to to get along um Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna let you go um but i did want to end with one thing um or several things just in regards to femininity 
and it'll mm-hmm. just kind of put all this, you know, put a bow on top of all of this, um, because you do kind of preach femininity and, and how you should move throughout the world and how it's beneficial mm-hmm. and how it's benefited you. You have four steps to being feminine. Um, clean up your timeline, start smiling, walk away from arguments and start saying thank you. If you want to highlight one of those things or a couple of those things, um, what's changed your life the most out of all those things and how has it benefited you? Women really need to change their social media diets. I mean, just keep it a stack. We're on our phones a lot. I think social media gives women a lot of attention. And I think we have a drive to needing attention more so than men. Men get addicted to things like prawn. We get addicted to things like social media. Mm-hmm. And all you're going to see is feminist indoctrination. A lot of women are blue-pilled on feminism. They don't understand that they're taking what they see on their phone and they're applying it to real life. And mm-hmm. they need to be very mindful. So the first thing I would do, get rid of all these independent women get in touch with women you want to be like you aspire to be similar to start filling up your timeline with that start filling up your timeline with feminine content creators but also there's nuance exercise discernment because some of these some of these women are nuts and they take it way too far and they're into biblical spanking where i'm like yeah. <laughs> like girl you are not helping the sisterhood like shut up who gave you wi-fi but right. um sometimes what we feed our eyes is a lot more important than what we feed our stomachs. And that's why I think women need to get on their social media diet first. Because I remember when I was indiscriminate, I was getting all kinds of conflicting messages about what it meant, what it was to be a woman and what I should do. And it really led me astray. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. One last question. One last question. Mm-hmm. Are you happy? That was that was I thought there was gonna be more. That was it. That's it. Am that's I happy? It. Yeah. Okay, I would say yes, for the most part, I do struggle with depression at times, you know, I'm just a little in a little bit of a low because I recently uh, went through a miscarriage. But for the most part, majority of the time, I really enjoy my life. And I Mm -hmm. look back and I reflect, and I'm happy with who I am. And I know that I'm not going to fit into everyone's box. And there's going to be disagreements. But looking at where I came from, I did the impossible. And I was thinking about it. Because my husband is out of town right now and I'm looking back like, wow, I really love this guy and I really love being around him and I really Mm -hmm. love being a homemaker very passionately. And I've never felt that way about any job before. So I'm grateful that I found out that I do want to be a homemaker and that that Mm -hmm. is okay and that that is allowed and I can choose my own path and I can be my own woman. So, yes, I'm happy. But this is also something that, you know, Western society and capitalism has afforded to me. And I'm grateful for the rights and privileges I have as a woman. So, yes. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Um, It's something I'm starting to practice asking, um, mainly because there's one way to, like, how are you? I'm fine. And you just kind of get those automatic Mm -hmm. responses. Um, But truly asking a question that, you know, and give people time to reflect on whether or not I'm truly happy. um, and of course, you're going through a time of bereavement and, and you know healing and what have you. So that's mm-hmm. that's definitely a variable to account for. But I'm I'm happy to hear that you know your decisions have landed you in a, in a positive place and a place that you're you're proud to be in. And you're actually okay. teaching other people how to get to where you are because happiness is it's a it's a fleeting currency nowadays where mm-hmm. everyone wants to be happy and we're all trying to get to it. We don't know how. We're all lost. And so as I gain information, I pass it on. And as you gain information, you're clearly passing it on as well. So, um, Ali, I did want to say thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you for your insights and your wisdom and uh, sharing your perspective so bravely. Uh, You and and Pearlie and and Hannah, and I just listen to people that are brave with their opinions. It's encouraging me because my my platform was built on Air Force content. And Mm -hmm. most of it is how to join the Air Force and my experience in the Air Force and documenting my career, my deployments and all those things. 
And so me kind of branching off into a new direction as I'm leaving the Air Force, it's taken me a lot, even in this episode, to even address certain topics and to even say certain words and, and speak my, my opinions that I've held for a minute. Thank mm-hmm. you personally, um, because I, I look to you in a lot of ways and I look to others as, as they branch out and say their truths and they deal with the consequences because they're coming. But I, I did oh, want to yeah. say thank you for coming on. Thank you for saying yes. Um, any last words for the people? So, yes, I want to be very clear about my message. It's my opinion that a lot of women are burnt out and overwhelmed and that one of these factors is possibly being sort of brainwashed that you have to be a worker. Women in every culture are expected to raise the children. You can't get away from that. And they're also expected to have sex with their husband, to be fit, to cook, to clean. That's five things. That's really hard. And then on top of that, you know, good luck with your fitness. And so if you can lighten your load by financially depending on a good man, on your husband, you are allowed to. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. And is it going to be uncomfortable? And is it going to be scary? Sure. But you will find out along the way if it is your path, because some women are happier working full-time and they're better wives and they're better mothers working full-time. And some women are not. And some women really love working part-time. So just find out what you enjoy and go from there. That's really what my platform is about. I just want to entertain an option that's not popularized because we, you know, we live in this independent woman society right now, (laughs) but you can stay home if you would like to. And there's tons of things you can do. I get this question all the time. Women are like, what am I going to do if I stay home? Girl, read a book, (laughs) write a book, start a garden, teach your kids the alphabet, whatever you can think of. You can train your dog. You can do so many tricks with your dog, whatever you want to do. You can do that. So my YouTube is at RealFemSapien and my Instagram is at RealFemSapien. My blog is RealFemSapien.com. If you want a one-on-one session, I'm happy to do that. I more so listen to your life and your history. I don't have a preset program and all I can offer you is my perspective. So if you think I have some insights that I can give you, go ahead, hit me up. I would be happy to, to help you out if you shoot me an email, Allie at RealFemSapien.com. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, yeah, wise you. words, wise words from such a young individual. Hopefully people mm-hmm. grab something from that. Uh, shout out to Vargas for the super chat. Appreciate you, man. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently he gained something from this as well. So um, thank awesome. you again for coming on and uh, hope yeah. you enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, mm-hmm. have a good night. Hey, you too. Bye. Bye.